I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Podcast like it. Just podcast like it. Podcast like it's 1999 podcast like it's 1999 the podcast where we break format and talk about our favorite movies of the last year that we've covered on podcast like it's 1999 from ernie studio here in 2000 Amazing. i guess it's probably going to be 2019 this is still going to be 2019 2019 i'm one of your hosts kenny nybar and i'm phyllis and today on the pod we're uh we're doing an episode just the for kenny, us kenny favorite that literally my favorite thing is the reason I podcast <laughs> to give out awards to movies from 20 years ago that we've covered in the last 52 weeks. Yeah. Um, Phil, how are you feeling about this one? You know, uh, it wasn't until we, I mean, realized that 52 in review was coming up that I looked back at the mm-hmm. movies we've done mm-hmm. in uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an odd batch of movies. Um, we didn't do right by you guys. <laughs> we gave you a lot of shitty movies. Well, <laughs> we it, it it certainly feels like you know year one we came out strong. We threw in a bunch of you know real good ones, and then we were like we got to slow our roll a little bit. Yeah, we did. So we so, so we, we saved we, a bunch. We saved a bunch, and uh, in the process, uh, you know, we made you guys watch Angela's Ashes. Oh man, among others. Yeah. All right. I'm going to run down the list real fast. Do it. Of well, it's not going to be that fast because they're you know for like 45 movies, but of the movies that are eligible. Yeah. In this year's 52 <laughs> Review Part Two, the second one. Yeah. The and second the movies one. are. Yeah. That's a tongue roll. <laughs> Boondock Saints, Angels Ashes, End of Days, Man on the Moon, Midsummer's Night Night's Dream, 
Buena Vista Social Club, The Best Man, Snow Falling on Cedars, Drive Me Crazy, Payback, Simon Says, The Haunting, Mickey Blue Eyes, Tea with Mussolini, The <laughs> Matrix, Happy Texas, Play It to the Bone, Sweet and Lowdown, Julian Donkey Boy, Fantasia 2000, Mystery Men, Walk on the Moon, House on Haunted Hill, Jesus' Son, Princess, Mononoke, The Wood, Girl Interrupted, Stort Little, 200 Cigarettes, Blue Streak, The Cider House Rules, Toy Story 2, Ghost Dog, Stir of Echoes, Dudley Do-Right, Bicentennial Man, Detroit Rock City, South Park, The Movie, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, Teaching Mrs. Tingle, The World Is Not Enough, October Sky, and Superstar. What a batch. What a batch. The bad batch. I don't know about bad, but there's some, there's, it's obvious which ones are at the top of what this was the, list. What was Gremlins 2 called? The next batch? The next new batch. The new batch. Well, yeah. this is the bad batch. <laughs> well, I mean, guys, there's still some good movies here, but, you know, we made you watch Detroit Rock City, and we're right. sorry. So let's do some – let's start from uh, – let's start uh, – Yeah, yeah. How do you want to start this? Uh, let's start with the fake awards. Okay, sure. And I'll start with – I'll come out of the, come out of the gate strong. Most surprising? That's. I mean, I hope we're looking at the same list because if I did awards that that I nominees. Oh, I did say nominees, not necessary for the most for the ones below it. Was the idea the ones beneath that? All right. So I didn't do nominees for most surprising. Did you? No. Great. I just said winners. That's what you meant by nominees. All right. Most surprising of the year. If it's not Dudley Do Right, we are not friends. It's end of days. Oh, that's good. We're still friends. (laughs) Um, I mean, Dudley Do Right is definitely you know. It's as surprising. That's a great answer. End of Days is a great answer. Yeah. Very surprising movie. <laughs> Very surprising movie. But uh, I, I mean, think we, do we, right. we took it to mean the same thing, obviously, which sure, means sure, movie sure. we had no expectations for. Yeah, I mean, that we. I don't. I mean, I expected nothing from either of those movies. Mm-hmm. Deadly Do Right. Both good answers. Yeah, I guess I sort of feel like the thing about end of days is that I would, I don't know. I don't know which is more difficult to pull off since both of them are just kind of, I don't totally know. do right. There's no question. Well, but okay. I guess what I would say is that in a vacuum, if you put these movies next to each other and said, which one of these is more successful at what it's attempting to do. I would argue that end of days is more successful at that. Well, here's a question. Dudley do right. is like, what's a better movie. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, tough. I, it is tough. <laughs> Two greats. Well, um, I mean, obviously, I picked End of Days because that was the one that I said was most surprising. I think that End of Days is is uh, is more technically proficient. It's a better movie. <laughs> uh, biggest disappointment. Um, my biggest disappointment. Oh, I don't know, man. I put The Haunting. Really? I put yeah. Blue Streak. What? Yeah. That's a good movie. No, <laughs> it's not. What do you mean? I mean, it's not a good movie. I think it's. I think it's. Fu- I think that. Biggest listen, I've got. There's, there's an award. I have. I have an award coming up. Well, not. I have a nomination coming up. Yeah, of course. But like, that's. What did you think? What did you think it was going to be? What did I? <laughs> what did I think it was going to be? Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be funnier. Uh, I thought it was. Gonna, I liked Blue Street quite a bit. I, I understand that. I don't think it. It didn't make any interesting lists for me, but you know. <laughs> I like Blue Street quite a bit. All right. You're well, allowed. Most problematic. Wait, no, no. What was your biggest? Oh, mine you... was The Haunting. Which oh, right, is The like, Haunting. I thought it was going to be Deece. That's fair. I thought it was going to be, be like decent. a yeah. decent movie. Yeah. I thought it would be like decent to quite decent. Like I, I didn't I didn't check the um, oh, 
the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for it before, like, or any reviews oh. before I watched it. So I just thought, like, I thought people liked it. I thought it was had to be better than House on Haunted Hill. Um, I like the fair. cast. Like, I knew they made a Netflix movie. F- I mean, a Netflix series based on the same source sure, material. Sure, sure. I just thought, how fucking bad could this be? And it was much worse. Yeah, it was really bad. I mean, I, I think I went in with no expectations, which is why probably my disappointment on it was didn't really register. Mm-hmm. Blue Streak, I was like, oh, I mean, is this going to be kind of Beverly Hills Cop-y and fun? And then I, it was no. Anyway. Most problematic is the same as uh, my rancid mayonnaise award. So, Most problematic is the same as your rancid mayonnaise award. Yeah. I gave them the two different movies on purpose. Okay. Um, most problematic was the second most problematic movie of the year. Ooh. What was Snow the Falling on Cedars. Interesting. Yes. I said Cedars Rules. That's my mayonnaise award. <laughs> I mean, there's no question. I think that Cedar Hurst Rules is more problematic than Cedar Hurst Rules. Cedar Hurst Rules is, I mean, problematic to be sure, but I think that that there is some Snowfalling Cedars. Yeah, Snowfalling of Cedars, Cedars has some attempt at showing adoration and, and some sort of like acknowledgement of this minority. Uh, Cider House Rules is just a kind of an abomination from from start to finish. <laughs> Cider House Rules. It's weird that Cider House Rules didn't make either of our most disappointing because, like, <laughs> sure. like I I think we knew we that it was going to be shit, but it yeah. really was the it really oh. was. It, so the Rancid Mayonnaise Award, yeah, is for the movie that has aged the worst. Yes, and we've given that both to Cider House Rules. We have. It's a terrible movie. Yeah, it's the one it's that aged <clears throat> terribly. It's aged. Ter- I mean, there's an argument to be made for whether it was good even at the time, but it's certainly aged worse, I guess. I, I just, I think that, I think what makes it age really poorly is the movie stars that have come out of it sort of also being misused. I mean, seeing what Charlize Theron has been capable of since that yeah, movie. That, that's not it. But that's part of why it's a dis- – that's why it's I- – I just look at that movie and I'm just like, you've wasted this fucking towering, you know, actor. It's just – It's just – but it's also just the most cynical well, fucking it's, movie. It's, it's the it's most – uh, like it's, it's – It's bad. Oscar bait in the dictionary. You look this movie up. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's your yeah. answer. It's made for idiots who, are, who have like ascended to a position yes. of power within Hollywood. It's made for like yeah. – and like it's – I think we – didn't we record this before Green Book won? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because literally like days before the Oscars. Yeah. So we haven't gotten so far. <laughs> well, Green I, Book is yeah. leaps and bounds better than this movie. Sure. Green Book is miles and miles better than this movie. But I think in 20 years, when I look at Green Book, and we be like, I mean, I think today, obviously, we look at Green Book and say, what happened? But in 20 years, yeah. I think we're going to look at Green Book and say, I don't even know. Like the difference between Green Book and Cider House Rules was Cider House Rules is at least emblematic of a time. Um, sure. Of, a, of, sure. of Harvey Weinstein making movies like this yeah. for the Oscars. Well, I don't even know how Green Book happened. Um, yeah, Green Book happens because I think that it's a, a weird year, a weird batch of movies. A bunch of them split the vote. I don't know. I mean, Green Book to me feels like what I imagine it was like in, I don't know, 1999, looking back on Driving Miss Daisy and people being like, wow, I can't believe we gave it to Driving Miss Daisy. And then we fucking did it right over again 10 years later. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess you do it every 10 years. 
What one in 09? To Spike Lee, unfortunately, too. Yeah, what one in 09? Wow, that's great. Well, that was <laughs> 30 years, but what one yeah. in 09? Uh, what one in 09? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know off the top of my head. Well, what, what can Google those. I'll tell you. What's it going to say? Oh, it's interesting. Hmm. Slumdog. Sure. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't love Slumdog. No, I think Slumdog kind of falls into this. But it does. Every 10 years, we, I don't know, make a stupid, I mean, there was Crash, what, four years earlier? So Slumdog won the 2008 Oscar, you know what I mean? But yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. like, yeah. just like Green Book won the, two, the yeah. 2018 Oscar, the 2009 Oscar was the Hurt Locker, which really doesn't fall into this. But yeah. what can you do? I mean, it's, uh, Sutterhurst Rules is just, um, I mean, as as anyone who listened to our episode, you know, can attest. I, you know, I'm I'm a, a John Irving fan, but mm-hmm. it's it's my least favorite John Irving book, um, or at least of the ones that I've read, and uh, it just shouldn't have been made. It just should have stayed a book. I don't know, I, but I don't know. did you read that book, Sutter's Rules? Yes. Uh, I mean, the majority of it. I don't know if I finished it. If I did, I don't really remember finishing it. I I. There was a time in my life where John Irving was my favorite author. Uh, he was one of probably my first like quote unquote grown up author that I read. Um, and I read World According to Garp and and Widow for One Year and and uh, Son of the Circus. Like those are some of my favorite books even to this day. Um, so at the time I picked up Sutterhouse Rules and I it's just it's just boring. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's not a great movie. It's boring. Should we do the Fine uh, Wine Award? Fine Wine Award. <laughs> yeah. The Matrix. Really? The Matrix. Okay. The Matrix. Okay. What's yours? Jesus' son. Huh. All right. All Um, right. All right. I see that. Yeah. I mean, I I saw Jesus' son in 99 um, uh, at the behest of some friends who were really big fans of it. And at the time, I was like, sure. Solid, solid indie cast. Liked it fine. I think it's Masterpiece now. It's, It's all over my list. Um, this will be interesting. Yeah. This will be interesting. So, okay. There you go. All right. Those are the preliminary awards, right, Phil? Uh, no, we got two more. Oh. We got a reboot with casting. I did that one. I only have one. Yeah, and it's kind of. One. It's kind of. I mean, it, it's a little stupid. But, but mine is not stupid. Mine would be a great movie. So okay. it's I said Daniel Day-Lewis and Angela Fashes. That's stupid. You're right. Um, I mean, it's not. Because if he was in it, it would be a million times better. But would you want to see it still? Sure. Whatever. Mine is actually fun. Oh, boy. Well, okay. So I believe on the podcast we did with uh, Matthew D'Ambrosio. Yes. We did. Uh, we did Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Teaching, yeah. yeah. We did Teaching Mrs. Tingle, and we kind of said, we, we kind of rebooted it in yeah, the room. in a much better way. We, uh, we, we, we fixed that movie eight million times. So I, I cast it. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yes. and I The three I, leads or the four leads? No, just the two leads. So just Katie Holmes and Helen Mirren? Yes, because I don't even remember what the other two do. Re- I recast it with HBO's two finest stars, Regina King and Zendaya, and it would be an amazing movie. <laughs> that actually would movie. be a fucking amazing movie. Could you imagine those two in I'd the watch, house? I'd watch the Could shit out of that movie. Could you imagine those two? Yeah. That would great. work really well. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the funny thing about that movie, I mean, listen, that movie has a lot of problems as, you know, our scores when we yeah, did it. Yeah, terrible movie. Uh, I wonder if you shot that script with a, with a better director mm-hmm. and those two leads, that movie's quantifiably leaps and bounds ahead of where it is. You'd have to do a you'd have to do a little zhuzh to the script, I think. A little bit, maybe. But ju- not like an update. Not much. Set it in 99 still. Yeah. And, you know... Oh, I've watched the shit out of that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it. 
Um, I think it's going to take some right. strings to pull to get that to happen for sure. And the one performer you wish we got more of. Yeah. Courtney Love. Courtney Love! Obvious answer. It's not Obvious answer. It is. I, I, an answer that I never thought I would say. Courtney, I said Courtney Love in all caps. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was obvious. Courtney Love. Yeah. This, remember, the, the star of the first 52 was... Yeah. Was Kirsten Dunst? Yeah, yeah. The star of the second fifty-two. It's kind of Courtney Love. Courtney Love, yeah. no question. Yeah, she. I mean, it, it's. We talked about her not just on the two hundred cigarettes episode, but also uh, we have a a, a, a b- b- bonus coming up with uh, Betsy Beers and uh, Guillermo Diaz, and we talk about her on that as well, mm-hmm. and just how bummed we all are that she stopped acting. Like yeah, ninety-nine was the end of the road. Could have been the best. It could have been the best. I mean, listen, I, I, I like Celebrity Skin. It's a good album. I love Celebrity Skin. I think it's great. I, I, love I, I, I wouldn't wish not having it necessarily. But if I had a choice between like you know twenty years of Courtney Love acting or that album, I might take twenty years of Courtney Love acting. Well, it's obviously not a thing, but just saying. yeah, no. But we we do have two hundred cigarettes. Please watch the movie. Um, and uh, just just. Just embrace it. Enjoy yeah, it. just sit in awe. And Men on the Moon. I mean, she's good in it. She doesn't have much to do. but She's good. Yeah. She's never bad. She's Courtney Love. She's Courtney Love. Well, yeah. Some might argue that fact you just said. But. Some might say she's always bad. <laughs> um, but those somebody's there you would go. be wrong. So how do we want to do this? Do you want to start from, you want to do screenplay Of up? course I do. Screenplay. All right. I got so many fucking ampersands in my screenplay nomination, it's out of control. Oh, I didn't say names. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, as a writer, I don't give it give it to the writer. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, right, I, I gave tell, the writer's I credit. Pretty much mind. tell you who wrote it. Yeah. All right. Pretty much best screenplay. Yeah. What are your nominees? My nominees are mm. South Park. Sure. Trey Parker, the Matrix. Yes, the Wachowskis. Toy Story Two. Sure. That that one has a million ampersands. Man on the Moon. Interesting. And the masterpiece, Jesus's Son. You? Wachowski's for The Matrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus' Son. Mm-hmm. Girl Interrupted. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. And South Park. You went six nominees. Is that six? Is it? Shit. Sorry, I have too it's many. It's okay. Uh, if I had to get rid of one in that, probably would probably be Girl Interrupted. <clears throat> Definitely be Girl Interrupted. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. And my winner is South Park. I said The Matrix. Great answer. Great answer. They're both, I mean, they're both masterpieces. Great answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, for me anyway, I yeah, I mean, the, the Matrix is the Matrix. Like, obviously, we're going to talk about it a lot during this, but uh, like, it's a fucking game changer. And and it also felt like, <clears throat> and we talked about this on our episode, but uh, just a perfect use of expositional dialogue. You know, this is a, a movie that has to sort of relay a lot of rules to you and a lot of backstory and barf up a lot of exposition. And that's not easy to do gracefully. Uh, and, and this script is just sort of like, it's kind of simple and very not at the same time. It's just doing a lot of things that I, I think are <clears throat> that we take for granted, certainly today. And it's probably at the time as well, but um, the lack of fucking nominations for the matrix in 99 is just truly appalling. The actual nominations. Yeah. Yeah, but they win best editing, which is not a it's joke. Not nothing. I'm not no, making no, a joke. No, I know you're not. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's usually a big award. 
I mean, it yeah. is a big award, but um, so yeah. I mean, uh, what, what what do you have to say about uh, Trey and Matt? About Trey and Matt and their screenplay for South Park? Uh, I think it's perfect. <laughs> I think it's spectacular. I think it was audacious. I think it was spectacular. Spectacular. It was a spectacular. Spectacular. I think it was impossibly brilliant. I think it. I think the the bar was sneaky, sneakily very high for them. Sure, the hottest show in the country, probably. Yeah. And uh, they were allowed to finally curse and show shit and do shit and touch on themes that they're not allowed to on television. And the fact that they did that in a graceful and artful um, and coherent way that also secretly was like one of the best musicals of the 90s. It's Yeah, those songs are crazy earworms. Unbelievable. (laughs) It is. Um, It's an unbelievable achievement. Towering achievement. Of cinema, and weirdly, I do think people, you know, people never shit on it. People, you know, when we mentioned South Park, oh yeah, South Park. No, South Park, bigger, longer, than cut. Uh, I think should be spoken of in the same breath as the great movies of '99. Excuse me, I I agree. I, I mean, I, I uh, should never be forgotten. It should not be forgotten. It, it's it's a weird thing. Um, you know, when we rewatched it, we obviously had. A great time rewatching. I mean, you—if you don't laugh solidly through that entire film, I just—I I, there must be there might be something wrong with you. I mean, mm-hmm. it is—it is a unbelievable sort of. I mean, I, <clears throat> I would—I would say at the very least. I mean, it's not a long movie; it's like eighty minutes or eighty-eight minutes or something like that. But that first forty-five minutes to an hour is just like unimpeachably fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue that not that it wears it as welcome necessarily, but like it, it, it repeats itself a little bit in the sort of the tail end of it, or at least sort of in the end of the second act talk at the top of the third. But I mean, this is nitpicky. It's a fucking masterpiece. It's, it's a perfect fucking hilarious movie. Um, I also have to say too, like on a screenplay level, the ability to not just make fun of itself, but to like crawl up inside itself in the way that it does metatextually is, is, is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know what else to say. Uh, director. My nominees are mm-hmm. the Wachowskis. Yes. Matt and Trey. Mm-hmm. Harmony Corinne. Mm. Um, I forgot his was Yako. And how do you say his, how did you say Miyazaki's first name? Hayao Miyazaki? Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah. And Alison McLean. Jesus' son. Up and down my list. <laughs> uh, I said the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. Alison McLean. Milos Forman. Mm-hmm. For Man on the Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Jarmusch for Ghost Dog. Oh, interesting. And Peter Himes for End of Days. Whoa! Okay. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do. Yeah. I went there. I was like, why not? Look at you. Look at you over there. They're smug. <laughs> All right. I went with the Wachowskis, obviously. That's it. I mean, it's just it's, one of those years. <laughs> the Titanic of the 52 in review. What are you going to do when you have such, yeah. such a head? I, I tried not to give them everything. I didn't give them everything. Yeah. By a long shot. I didn't. But, you know, that like, they're the Wachowskis. They made the Matrix. It's. It very well might be the number one of the year when this is all said and done. We'll yeah. S- we'll see how this goes. It's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, what could be said that hasn't been said about it, but, um, I'll say this. It, it's just, 
it fucking changed everything. Like I don't I don't know how else to to say it other than than <clears throat> visually we were in a pre matrix and post matrix universe, or or at least industry. And and I, you know it's it's untouchable uh, what they were able to achieve. Um, I don't know. Like it's it sort of. I, just, I don't have words for it. I think off the top of my head. Yeah. It's one of the five most influential movies of the last fifty years. Yeah. Um. Without a doubt. I, and, and, and I. I mean, obviously, like. I think off the top of my head, you ba- and really influential. Not like you know, not like saying like being John Malkovich is influential. Yeah. It is, of course, extremely influential in certain ways. But that that. Cinema has not gone in the direction of being John Malkovich. Mainstream cinema. No. Where the money well, like, is. Cause yeah, because indie cinema has drastically changed. Where the money is. Yeah. You know, people having careers, people making yeah. businesses. Um, you basically have Jaws, Star Wars. I think you have Jaws, Star Wars, The Matrix, Iron Man, Dark Knight. That's kind of like yeah. what, off the top of my head. Maybe Titanic. Um, I wouldn't put Iron Man on that list, but I, oh, I, I you have to put Iron Man on that list. I understand why you have to. I, I, I understand why you put it on that list, but I, I, I just because it was the birth of the MCU. I Ten get that. years. I know. I know. The birth just, of everything. Yeah, I just I would I would argue that I don't. It's not as it's, it's, it's not it's as cinematically not, revolutionary as the no. others. It's but, the beginning of something, but it matters. But I, I don't. Sure, I, I'm not convinced that the powers that be. You know that that Kevin Feige knew that he was building the MCU off of that movie. Like it matters. That's well, such a, but it does in the sense that if that's why we're we're saying that it changed things, you have to you have to know what you're doing. Sure, Spielberg knew what he was doing when he when he made a shark movie. He's like, oh, I, I'm creating the next forty years of blockbuster cinema with this. What? No, a but it's ridiculous. A di- it's, it's a different. Ridiculous it's a di- me- all right, ridiculous measurement. All right, ridiculous. Okay. okay. Point is, the Matrix. I just wish Iron Man was a better movie. And there's that too. Great movie. It's not a good movie. I, um, it's, a, it's a good movie. Great movie. Uh, Matrix is a tremendous movie. It is. It might be number one. Now, like, come to think of it, it's, Star Wars is probably number one. Star Wars is probably the most influential movie of the last 40, 50 years, I'd say. After that, I think Joss might get too much credit. I think Matrix might be number two. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't. I, yeah. I think it might be the second most influential I think movie of I think the last a, 50 years. I think it's a tremendous film. Um, I, I think it's doing things that even just on, on a on a sort of subtextual level um, that it's hard to say, but I, I wonder whether or not when everything is said and done, if its legacy is going to end up being um, what it was saying less than what it was showing. Because I think that technically it's a it's a masterpiece. It's a beautiful movie to look at, and obviously we we it's been ripped off a million times since. But I think what's going on underneath the surface of that movie, I think, is is where the really breathtaking stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. Supporting actress, dun da da da, <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss for The Matrix. Interesting. I put her as lead. Okay, Angelina Jolie for Girl Interrupted. Interesting. Put her as lead. I didn't nominate her. Samantha Morton for Sweet and Low Down. Mm. Courtney Love for 200 Cigarettes. Mm. Calista Flockhart for Midsummer Night's Dream. And the winner is, obviously, Courtney Love. Um, 
so uh, yeah, I I I wasn't sure about some of our uh, lead and supporting. Just a, so I put a cup. Sorry, it's up to you. Yeah. So I I, I put Carrie Ann Moss and, and Callista in lead. So you put Callista in lead. I did. Oh, you just didn't like the lead. I you, you just you. I know. I know it happened. But okay, it was a thin year for leads. It was. So you you put the. But I think that she could have been a lead. Callista. Yeah. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Uh, Courtney Love, mm-hmm. 200 cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, 200 cigarettes. Uh, Samantha Morton for Jesus' Son and Sweet and Lowdown. That's a, well, I don't do Anne's, but that's a better choice. She, she actually was better in Jesus' Son. I'm going to pull back my Sweet and Lowdown and put her for Jesus' Son. Okay. Uh, Janine Garofalo for Mystery Men. Keep going. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker for Dudley do Not a bad, Not a bad one. Not a bad one. Uh, and Joe Cusack for Toy Story 2. What do you got? <laughs> and, a voice performance? Yeah. I think, I think she's that good in that movie. And <laughs> she wins in my nomination. That's been 52 in <laughs> Review Part 2. Sorry, Thank dude. You Listen. You gave it to a voice actress? I did. You're not taking this seriously. I am taking this seriously. I gave it to Courtney Love, a thespian. You gave it to... <laughs> I, gave first it of all, to- Joe Cusack is, a, is one of our finest actors. Oh, I know. And... And honestly, Jesse in Toy Story 2 and Griffin Newman would back me up with this. You know full well he would. Doesn't mean he's right. It does. We're both right. It's a tremendous performance. It's amazing what she does in that movie. I can't handle this. I mean, are you one of those people that doesn't think that, like, a voice performance? You don't think that Scarlett Johansson should have been nominated for her? No. No, I don't think she should have been nominated for her. Do I think a voice performance can be nominated? Uh, Of course. It's possible. Do I have I ever heard one that I think Ernie's should done. be? Um, no, no, I don't think so. Right. I, and I mean, I think mocap. I could see a mocap. Listen, before. I, I I loved all of these performances, or I wouldn't have nominated them. I don't know what to tell you. I, and it's not that I'm not taking it seriously. No, I'm certainly I think taking you are it taking it seriously. I think you're. And I, but but to to make to make this a point about can a voice actor be nominated for a a. For an Oscar, it's not what's happening here. You are, of course, they can. You are, you are besmirching. I'm not besmirching anything. Jesse bes- from Toy Story Two is one of my favorite performances in the history of cinema. You are besmirching the good name. You're besmirching my of opinion. Carrie Ann, yeah, of course, that's what we do on the podcast. Carrie Ann Moss, Angelina Jolie, Samantha Morton, and Courtney Love, and Sarah Jessica Parker, and all the people, and Janine Gar- Garofalo, who I rolled now. my eyes at. I, you, I don't know what's happening. I, I really don't either. I'm looking directly at Jesse's face and podcasting. Even she's like, you've got to be kidding. All right. Moving on. What did you say? It was Courtney. Courtney Love, of course. The best performance of the last 52. <laughs> All right. Best supporting actor. Oh, boy. Yeah. Here's where we get serious. Mm-hmm. Alfred Molina, Dudley Do-Right. <laughs> yeah. Luke Wilson, Blue Streak. Sure. Werner Herzog, Julian Donkey Boy. Okay. Lawrence Fishburne, The Matrix. Sure. Leah Schreiber, A Walk on the Moon. That's a solid call. That's and the winner one. is Leah Schreiber, A Walk on the Moon. Yeah, I, 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 truthfully, I forgot about him. It happens. Um, it happens. He's great. We'll put um, him up against your eventual winner who was, in, you know, fucking the voice of some car. In, in a, <laughs> it's a guy. I, I hope you're pleased with yourself right now. Your eventual um, winner, the voice of the boar in Princess Mononoke. <laughs> Go ahead. 
I just want to go on record and say that I have never done anything like this based on any of your choices. Oh, I, just God. for the record. Sorry, I didn't realize we were. I didn't uh, realize it got so best serious. supporting actor, I said, was uh, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Joey Pants from the Matrix. That's a good one. That's hey, hey that's a good. That's a good choice. Uh, Paul Great Giamatti job. from Man on the Moon. Albert Molina, Luke Wilson. I picked Lawrence Fishburne because you know it's iconic and kind of a arguably perfect performance. It's not Leah Schreiber walking the moon. What are you going to do? Leah Schreiber, truthfully though, uh, walk on the moon is, I, I'm going to be honest. I probably didn't give enough love to throughout my awards. Cause it, it was one of those films that that was, if I'm being completely honest, that might've been my most surprising. Um, that was one that I went in with basically no expectations and left it with like a fuck. This was a good movie. Did I give that a do where most surprising? I think maybe I think it was did. Walk on the Moon, actually. Those, those, like, to me, it's like, it's Dudley Do Right, it's End of Days, it's Walk on the Moon. Those are the three that I'm like, Walk on the Moon, not to take anything away from Dudley Do Right and End of Days, is, is the most legitimate movie of the three. Like, I think that that movie is like trying to be a real character piece and it succeeds. And that's, that's I feel this, I feel sorry. the same way about Walk on the Moon. Let's bring this podcast back, Phil. <laughs> I feel the same way about Walk on the Moon. Mm. Walk on the Moon aspired to, to, to like straight down the line greatness, yes, and achieved it crazily, which is enough. a shock. <laughs> you know, yes. and it got kind of bogged down in this like, is it a sex romance? But it's just not. Is it a paperback novel? Like, is, it's, but exactly. it's not. It's not, and that's not fair. I would also we didn't have we don't have this order in our list, but if I had to pick my favorite scene of this fifty two, mm-hmm. it might very well be that port scene at the, the end last of the movie. Scene. It's one of the best last scenes we've seen. That's far. Yeah, I don't know what it would have been. I, I would have to really, really look yeah. through it. You know, but I just, I, I was so taken with how simple and beautiful that final scene is. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a much better movie than, than, uh, than anyone gives credit to. Yeah, including you, apparently. Um, you know, best you're a- fucking well, you best actress. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> best actress for your nominations. It's just a bunch of dames. No, I, I, only, I was going to say, is it just the cast? I only of did Lee? one dame. I only did one dame. <laughs> Best actress: Diane Lane, mm. Molly Shannon for mm-hmm. Superstar, mm-hmm. Winona Ryder for Girl Interrupted, Cher mm-hmm. for Tea with Mussolini, sure. Joan Plowright for Tea with Mussolini, sure. And the winner is the great Diane Lane. Yeah, uh, I have pretty similar ones: uh, Winona Ryder, Girl Interrupted, Diane Lane, Carrie Ann Moss for The Matrix, Molly Shannon. For Superstar and Calista Flocker for Midsummer Night's Dream. So you, everyone you nominated was nominated on my list in one place or another. Pretty much. So I can't shit on any of these. Apparently not. Uh, and yeah, it's the Diane Lane. She's fucking great. Yeah. She absolutely murders it. What's the word? Abulient? Yes. The abulient. She is. Diane Lane. I mean, yeah. But this isn't anything new, but we kind of, we wasted Diane Lane. Not to say that we that she can't still work obviously she is but like she should have had a moment off this movie man like well, she's she just did. she she had she had a unfaithful right like that's diane, that's a couple years later though right that's I like think was, i think mid- it was like 2002 or okay. something like that but diane lane like i don't disagree with you mm-hmm. i just feel like she, she, I feel like she was in the right movies. They just should have been fifty percent better. Like they should have written better roles for her. That's fair. If that makes any sense, yeah, like I get that. she's so beautiful. She's so like 
the the hottest mom at school. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, she well, yeah, for sure. She's like she's she's so beautiful, so domestic. I hope that doesn't come across as like a she's you really know, grounded and believable. Like the, she just feels like a real person, real person with real problems, yeah. going through real shit. Yeah. Um, she's tremendous in that movie. She's she's an incredible actress. Yeah incredible might, it, might might be my favorite actress she i mean in that movie in particular i mean and, and sort of to reiterate or at least piggyback on what we were saying a minute ago but like it um it could have so easily tipped into shitty paperback harlequin novel garbage mm-hmm. i mean the relationship between her and vigo is you know and we talked about this in the episode but maybe isn't as rich as we would like it to be. He's not as richly drawn, unfortunately. Um, so it kind of takes a little bit away from their relationship, but she's bringing a, like a thousand percent to it. That's not to say that Vigo isn't, he just doesn't have as much to do. She's just got like there. You just feel like you, she brings history to it. You feel like you're actually seeing a person who has existed for the 30 something years that you are late twenties, however old she was supposed to be in that movie. You just, you see every line in her. It's just, it's, it's really, it's amazing shit. I don't know. Best actor. This isn't that fun to me, to be honest, <laughs> this nomination or this episode. No, no, the episode is amazing. The nomination is not that fun to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a couple that I think I tried, but, like, yeah. it went to kind of a boring guy. Oh, really? Okay. Jim Carrey, Man on the Moon. Yeah. Billy Crudup, uh, Jesus the Son. Mm-hmm. Ewan Bremner, uh, Julian Donkey Boy. Sure. Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. in The Ghost Dog. Interesting. Kevin Kline mm-hmm. in Midsummer's Night, Night, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. My winner? Yeah. The very good Jim Carrey. And like it's Jim Carrey, but like this is one of those ones where like you know I always want to be kind of fun, provocative, controversial. I always like to make a statement. There's no statement. I thought you were, thought you were saying I always like to make a stink. I always like to make a stink, which is true. I always like to make a stink. <laughs> I want people to get mad listening to the podcast and thinking, yeah. "What the fuck?" And then I want to fight with them about it. Yeah, well, that, but like, that, that and maybe tracks. they will get mad about this one. I don't know. But people won't think this is like the greatest movie. But like, they're wrong. It is the greatest movie. It's a really good movie. It's a very good. He's movie. obviously good in it. Like, I think that's unimpeachable. I think it's almost like unimpeachable to the point of being boring. But like, yeah, I have to every once in a while. I just have to go with like the boring pick. What to maintain my integrity? He didn't even get nominated. For I know, movie. but do we have one person who got nominated for best actor in this? I do. For actual best actor? In my nomination? Yeah. Yeah. Can't remember. Who. Oh, you have Sean Penn. Yeah. Um. All right, go ahead. Who do you got? Who else you got? Jim Carrey, Billy Crudup, Sean Penn, Kevin Klein, and Keanu Reeves. I thought you might pick Keanu Reeves, and I thought about it too, but like, I just can't. He's just not there. I mean, yes. I can't. Okay. He's not there. You can. He's there for I you. mean, yeah, I, 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 you know, I think that the Matrix isn't the Matrix. It doesn't work without Keanu Reeves. I mean, it's, it's, it's a good point, man. I mean, I, and I don't point. say that what just. What are you going to say? It's a good point. <laughs> I, I, he's. If it was Will Smith. Ugh. I'm at, but like the it would have been different. I mean, not, it would have been. If it was Will Smith, that movie honestly would have probably been. And the movie's already incredibly successful. But if it's Will Smith, there's a chance that movie is like stratospheric in its box office 
you know. So I think that – I wonder how it would have been. I don't – I mean I don't think that the movie would have been better with I think, it, I think it would have been worse. I, I, I would argue it might have been worse because I think that um, – What's perfect about Keanu Reeves in this movie and why I think we're all sort of – we're amidst our Keanu Reeves renaissance is how sort of intangibly sort of alien he is. You know what I mean? He doesn't feel like one of us. No, he doesn't. And and, and that's sort of – There's a reason he played like the alien in The Day After Tomorrow. tomorrow. Like he feels aesthetically his presence. He's like – it's almost like maybe he's the best of us, <laughs> which makes him almost, yeah, you know, like Starman. Yeah, right. That's sort of what I'm. Yeah, yes, exactly. He's got like that Starman thing, and he, he, yes, he does. He does feel like the best of us, and and also that the Wachowskis weaponize his stardom in the right way in this movie, like the woe, the, the all of it. It's just like they know what we love about Keanu. I have a different take on this, okay? Because I think you're right about present day Keanu. Yeah, but I think that. Uh, I think you can't discount the power of meta narrative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Keanu's meta narrative yeah. at the time was that like what is this guy doing in a 100 million dollar Warner Brothers action sci-fi movie? Yeah. Like this guy can't carry a fucking knapsack let alone this movie. Yeah, I mean, and, Speed was the last thing that he had done, and that was that was well. Five, Speed was the last six years hit early. he had. He yeah. had he had a bunch of flops. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, he had like Chain Reaction and like yeah, yeah. the other. There, like was there like a like romantic walk in the shit. clouds or something? Yeah, he had, clouds, some shit. He had yeah. bad movies, right? Yeah. And he was he wasn't a joke, but he was kind of done. Yeah, like that's why John Wick works too, because he again he was kind of done. Um, so I think like this meta narrative that like. Those are my. Those are the best action movies and best action stars. The unexpected ones. Yeah. If you look at Liam Neeson's career, that all kind of came on the back of like this guy could do that. Yeah. If you look at Bruce Willis's career, you know the guy from Moonlighting could be an action star. Totally. Even Schwarzenegger, this like this Austrian mm-hmm. bodybuilder can like have, is is charismatic. Even Travolta, weirdly. The Rock. Yeah. I mean, you go on and on, like, like ready-made, quote-unquote, ready-made action stars almost never fucking work. Yeah. The only one I could think of is Stallone, and like, good for good for him. Like, he wrote himself <laughs> something to make himself yeah. an underdog. Yeah, two things really, but you know. So I think that like the meta narrative of Keanu really helps. Him. Yes, I, I I would agree with you. I, I think there's also there's a little bit of the never count him out. Right. There's a guy who, you know, just when you think it's like his career's toast, mm-hmm. he comes out with speed or he comes out with the matrix or he comes out with John Wick, like big gaps in between these things where it's like, is he done? Like, are we, are we yeah. done with are we Keanu? Done with- and then all of a sudden he comes back and he's like, no, I mean, I'm your favorite. No, you love me. You love me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, and that's the best thing about Keanu. Yeah. Never would say you love me. Of course not. You know what I mean? Like, of course never not. would say you love me. These like, other guys would. <laughs> Almost all of them would. Yeah. I'm John Cena. You love me. <laughs> so speaking of which, saw playing with fire with the kids. Really? Like 24 and Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> to make you cry? Uh, yes. Here's the thing about playing with fire. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's like. Words you didn't think you were going to hear on this episode. Super Troopers. Oh, boy. Slash Dudley Do-Right. Okay. Made for kids. It has that kind of tone. Wow. All right. Um, so it's and, wacky. 
Yeah, but not on purpose. Not like it's not right. wacky like for the sake of being wacky. It's not goofy. It's mm. like Keegan Michael Key is in it and he isn't doing the thing you were scared he would do, which is just like be a black sidekick. Okay. He's really funny. He's okay. really himself. Same with Leguizamo. Really? And like, you know, seen as amazing, obviously. But like and Judy Greer is in it and she's herself. Like right. there's just something about it that just really, really works. And for the twins me. liked it? Twins, well, Rollins loved it. Layla doesn't laugh at movies, but you know, it's beneath her. <laughs> just, 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 yeah, she just would never let. She, she would. She's never not going to let you know she's enjoying herself. No, no why would sat, she do that? Sat there stone faced the whole time. Rollins is cracking up like <laughs> it's a real Albert Costello routine. Those they're two. hilarious. Yeah, you saw them this weekend, right? I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they were. Uh, yeah, they're they're really hilarious together. But. Um, <laughs> Rollins told me his five most important things. Are you interested? Obviously. Family. Sure. Business. Sure. Movies. Business. Business, yes. Interesting. Movies. Okay. Money. Suits. Business and money. Suits. Suits. Yes. <laughs> Interesting that for, for such a religious person, uh, God doesn't come into play. God doesn't come into play. No, but he's a modern religious person. Money, so money and, and business. Suits. <laughs> suits. Money, business, and suits. I mean, that's that's impressive. He's such a religious man. <laughs> such a religious man. Uh, I know. I, and I said to him, like, you know, those, those, those that's kind of, I think, what Donald Trump would say for a lot of those answers. He goes, yeah, but I hate Donald Trump. So that was good. I mean, it's good. Good on him. Yeah, he hates Donald Trump. He's At least he was like, I don't know, the guy's got a point. That would have been that would have been scary. You know, he did one time tell me he didn't think Donald Trump was ugly, which kind of scared me. He's like, he's not that ugly. I'm like, he's the ugliest. He's the ugliest. He's the ugliest. He's a he's a orange monster. All right, best picture. The best picture of the last fifty two episodes of podcast. Like it's nineteen ninety nine. I only did five. All right, I did ten. I'm gonna give you the best picture is obviously the Matrix. So it's not, but okay. Whoa! Yeah. Sorry. My best picture is The Matrix. I'll give you the nominee second because they're more fun than the best picture for me. I can't wait to hear your answer. Oh, I know your answer. You do know my answer is. All right, whatever. Matrix, South Park, Toy Story 2, Julian Donkey Boy, Man on the Moon. So those would be my five. Okay. Princess Mononoke? Yeah. Dudley do right. Jesus' son. I mean, walk, doing 10. Okay. Walk on the mood, Midsummer, Midsummer Night's Dream. We did, we did five for the first one. I just want to be clear about that. And, yeah, and but I, we also did a top 10 list. So which like, I did. Oh, so that's my top 10 list. So oh, it's the same. Okay. You know, right. so like. My top 10. I thought you said top 10 list so far, which would mean that it includes the movies from the previous. It does. Okay. But last, you see what I'm saying? Last time we only had those 52, so we did a top 10 list. That's my top 10. Of, this is my top 10 of the 52. Okay, I didn't do that. Yeah, I did 10 nominees. I kind of had my cake, ate it too. Yeah, because now you've said all, like, yeah, there are barely 10 good movies. Yeah, but the top 10 of the 52, of, of everything is not this. I, I understand. But right. by picking 10 of 52, there it doesn't matter. You 10 can. of 45. One more time. The Matrix, South Park, Toy Story 2, Julian Donkey Boy, Man on the Moon, Princess Mononoke, Dudley D-Ride, Jesus the Sun, Walk in the Moon, Midsummer Night's Dream. The only other good movie we did was End of Days and a bunch of crap. And The Matrix wins. All right. Yours. Can I guess your nominees? Well, you've done – You. this is my point. You picked 10 movies of the 52 or 45. So That's like right. – how could I possibly surprise in any way with these well, the five? Well, the surprise. It's the goal is just get the best movies of the year. Okay. Do you want me to guess yours? The Matrix, Jesus the Sun, Princess Mononoke, South Park, Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2 is the best picture of this of I this may batch. not have guessed um, South Park. 
The other four I would have gotten easily. I don't know what I would have guessed. Mm, maybe Midsummer. I think you would have picked South Park. You did a great job. I mean, Twitch Story 2 is, is so a masterpiece. you like it more than The Matrix. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, is like one and one A? We're is talking like one and one A for you? Basically. I mean, they're basically on top of each other. They're both perfect movies. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, otherwise. Um, Twitch Story 2 is not my number two of the year. Of, of the thing. It's my number three. I, I think that it, um, it's, I mean, and again, these are, to compare these two movies is unfair. I'm just going to say that because uh, they're, they're completely, di- they're doing completely different things, but. Such is uh, the nature of giving awards though. And sure. I, I don't think that the matrix is a particularly emotional experience for me on, on a, on a purely sort of like Toy Story 2 makes me cry like three, four five times in the, in the course of that movie. That movie is an emotional as I said earlier, which is why Joan Cusack won Best Supporting Actor for me, Jesse is – what she's dealing with in that movie is unbelievable. Um, it's just a really beautiful, funny movie. Like it's just – it's doing something that um, The Matrix isn't striving to do. Like it's doing – I mean The Matrix is doing something completely different. Um you know, I, there's an argument to be made. We've made it on this episode that the Matrix obviously has a much the ripple effect of the Matrix is gigantic. It is just it changed cinema. Toy Story two perfected what it was doing. What, like as as far as I'm concerned, it's probably it's yeah, it's the best Pixar movie thus far. Yeah, like I okay. think that I, I think that it's just I just think it's doing something that's next level. Um. I think that it's also, you know, the, the the commentary about itself in terms of it being sort of a commentary on the first one. And I don't know. I just, I, I really I adore it. It's a great movie. I like The Matrix more. Do you want to do your top 10 of 1999 so far? Uh, sure. Everything we've done. Yeah. Uh, Many thanks to, I believe his name is Keith Allison. Sure. For keeping our... Letterboxed. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't consult that. Um, <laughs> but I, but I appreciate his. I hard work. did consult it over and over again in the course of making these lists. Yeah, it doesn't. My top ten doesn't adhere perfectly to it because you know what you feel at the end of a podcast in terms of a ranking doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what ranks to the others. It's just kind of what you're feeling on yeah. that day. Yeah, it's a pretty good representation. Sure, of where I am. Sure, I will say only three movies from this fifty-two made my top ten. Um, one, two, three. Yep. And four, four for me. One and two are from this last 52. I would imagine that's the same for you. No. Cool. <laughs> Let's go back and forth. Number 10, Cruel Intentions. Number 10. Wow. Was Cruel Intentions was on your previous list, right? Yes. Uh, this is tough for me. I, I, I so. I don't want to say that I cheated, but I cheated a little bit. It's okay. I had a tough time picking between two films for the the tenth slot. Um, Jesus' Son and Boys Don't Cry were I I, I really really love them both. So those are kind of my tenth slots. Is Jesus' but, Son your fourth from this? Correct. All right. Um, <clears throat> Jesus' Son would probably have been not in my top. Top 20 for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, number nine. Virgin boys, Suicides. Boys Don't Cry For Me. Okay. Um, boys Don't Cry For Me. That's that's <laughs> unfortunately true. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I like Birds and Suicides less than you, but uh, beautiful movie, obviously. I yeah, I, yeah. I mean, there's there's again, this is sort of there's an argument to be made for uh, Boys Don't Cry is a, a fucking masterpiece, and, mm-hmm. and and I I feel bad even having it as low as it is on here. I feel bad too. Uh, no, um, no, I do because mine is nine. But, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it's for me the Virgin Suicide sort of almost transcends just just based on Sofia Coppola. Like it, it was the uh, her first movie. It, it really kind of just it obviously put her on the map, but it, it really crystallized her like the way she makes movies, the vision, the tone of it. I don't know. I just I really adore it. Anyway. Number eight. Number eight. You're not going to be happy about this one. Okay. Toy Story 2. Number eight. The number eighth, the number eight best movie we've done thus far. I don't agree. It's a great movie. It's my eighth favorite movie. Okay. I like it more than movies that I absolutely love. I love it. I truly love it. It's an incredible movie. I have seven I've seen this year more that I like more. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine was Run, Lola, Run. I guess our lists are going to be pretty similar. Well, I mean, because truthfully, it you know there are, there are movies that got on this list that pushed some stuff down. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as as I said when we started this this podcast, this episode, uh, we had a batch of really strong, great movies in our first fifty two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, including a bunch know, that like I, I don't that think are sort of not going to move. <clears throat> I also I, things I just don't think we necessarily knew yeah. would hold up or were as good as they were. Like I love Ron Lola Ron, but like I didn't expect Ron Lola Ron mm-hmm. to persevere. I don't expect it to be on my next one. Where is it right now? It's eight. eight. It'll be on my next one, I think. All right, number seven, South Park. Drop dead gorgeous. The masterpiece. Drop dead gorgeous. <laughs> Yeah, that fell off, unfortunately. Fell off. Yeah. yeah. Drop Dead Gorgeous might fall off. Seven, I think, you know, three to four, uh, which is upsetting. Like, Drop Dead Gorgeous should be on a top 10. But this is a testament, not to, you know, but it's a testament to this it's year. It's a testament to the year. Which is that, like, great fucking movies, masterpiece movies like Boys Don't Cry or Run Lola Run or The Virgin Suicides or Jesus' Son or South Park for me, like, I'll be surprised if this bottom four or five mm-hmm. hold up in the next batch, but it's possible. And we have, I mean, you know, we've got a bunch have, of good ones uh, coming we, up. We have at least two more years of like <laughs> 1999 content. I mean, 1999 <laughs> film content. Correct. So we, yeah, I think and there's, there's, you know, at the very least we have, I think five or six truly stellar movies if not more. At the very least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, off the top of my head. I mean, like masterpieces. Malkovich, Magnolia, Insider, Three Kings, Election, Election like. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest, Office Space. Like, yeah. we have a bunch of movies. Bowfinger. That, Bowfinger that, um, that yep. we just know yep. are going to be in the running. Yeah. And then who knows what the next Deadly Do Right is. Yeah. Who knows indeed. So <laughs> no one could know. Who knows? It could be anything. Um, okay. Number. I think we're at six. Six was run all around for me. Uh, South Park. Is that what I said? No. You just oh, said so. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. We're going to be very similar. Um, yeah. Number five. Yes. Odds Watch Shut for me. Bringing Up the Dead. Yeah, that one didn't make my list. It was Love nine. It. it was nine last time. 
Yeah. It's still, I believe it still is in my top 10 on Letterboxd, but it was, uh, I, I sort of, uh, it was a late, I did a little bit of a reevaluation on it because, um, I had a meeting with Paramount TV to try to do it as a TV show. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I just like, fuck, I just fucking love this movie. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it's, it's one of my top Scorsese's, a guy who's very much in the news right now. It could be a TV show pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. How'd that go? Uh, not great. Well, <laughs> Paramount. Well, not just not not. Not that they didn't want to do it. Uh, they had. They just have issues. I don't want to get into it on mic. All right. Um, eyes wide shot. Decide eyes wide shot. We'll get to it when we get to it with you. Yeah. My number four. Mm. Notting Hill. Interesting. The greatest romantic comedy ever made. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's but- it's always on TV too. <laughs> Are you finding that it's always on? I find that I catch well, it constantly, but I, it's it's yeah. it's great. It's the best romantic it. comedy yes. ever made. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> I did a poll on Twitter, um, pitting it against my best friend's wedding, asking which was the oh, better Julia Roberts movie. I don't care what the the the, the, the Twitter sphere says. What do they say? <laughs> uh, I don't care. What do they say? Uh, my best friend's wedding absolutely trounced it. Um, my best friend's wedding is one of the five best romantic comedies ever made. So, like, good you, for them. But okay, and I, I, I might, might give my best friend's wedding a slight edge on Notting Hill. I love Notting Hill. It's on my list. I adore it. My best friend's wedding is just, it's, it's slightly more subversive. That's why I would not make it number okay. one. Okay. It's not ultimately a romantic comedy. Sure it is. Just doesn't get the guy. It's not a romantic comedy. Okay, we just have different definitions apparently of what. It's not a romantic is. comedy. It's about. It's literally about someone who who thinks they are in love with somebody else, or might very well I be in love with, with somebody else. I agree with you. Uh, romance is about love. Mm, requited. Requ- the requi- requited matters, or else it's a different kind of movie. Is is Cable Guy a romantic comedy? <laughs> what? Well, it's about a guy who's in love. That obsessed. That's. Obsessed. A completely different circumstance. This know. movie revolves around a wedding. There, so what? I mean, that's ridiculous. It's just say something that revolves around a wedding is a romantic comedy. Not Rachel not, getting married is not a romantic that's not comedy. What I'm saying, I'm saying that it's a movie about it's love not, and a wedding. It's it, these are the hallmarks of of what people define romance as. So I, I don't. I don't know if I agree. Okay. It's a movie where it's a movie where the protagonist is a villain trying to break up a happy marriage. That is not a romantic comedy to me. But I understand that it has the veneer of romantic comedy. I understand that it's subversive. I agree with that. And like, yes, it is. I I, I don't mean to say it's not a romantic comedy because it's under the giant umbrella of romantic comedy. But in terms of like the greatest romantic comedy ever made, it's a movie where the protagonist stands up together. Like that's like that's the, the that's the fun of it. That's the goal. Okay, well, if you take the romantic comedy moniker out of it, I think my best friend's wedding is a better movie. So that ultimately is yeah, really I don't, what we're but that, about. but that's fine. That that I can handle. Um, okay, number four for me was the Taunt Mr. Ripley. Yeah, it didn't make my list either. It's a mess. Though I believe it did make it's my a, it's a my it's list a, last time, but it's one I of the movies that fell off. What can absolutely you do? adore. Um, number four movie that definitely did not make your list. Any given Sunday. <laughs> yeah. No. Didn't even sniff my list. Yeah, didn't sniff your list. <laughs> didn't sniff your jock. I can't sniff your jock. 
I mean, I don't hate it. I know you don't. I, no, I, know, I came around to I, that I know episode. It turned you around to some extent. Absolutely. I, I certainly. I know you see what I respect I, it. I know you see what we see. Mm-hmm. By we, I mean it was me and Xander Lehman, right? It was. But um, masterpiece, most important movie of the last twenty five years. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I don't know what to tell you on that one. That no, was, I, I mean, Ripley is my number four. I mean, I, I, no, you're number three. Oh, uh, the Matrix. Matrix. Mm-hmm. All right. So number one, two. Okay. Uh, the Matrix is fucking great. The Matrix is the, the Matrix. Matrix. The, ma- the, Matrix. the Matrix is the Matrix. Yeah. What's your number? Is that your number three? That was my number three. Uh, what's your number two? South Park. Okay. Toy Story two. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Oh, your number one is Eyes Wide Shut. It is. My number one is The Matrix. Mm-hmm. So Eyes Wide Shut's above Toy Story 2 for you. And The Matrix. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously. Um... Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, I honestly... The first movie we did, number one. Both lists, too. Um, yeah, I, I just... I, I don't know, man. Eyes Wide Shut just... It, I just... I fucking love it. So do you think <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut yeah. is going to win the whole thing? Has a real chance for you. No. You don't think so? I, I, I love Eyes Wide Shut, but I mean, I'll be truly shocked if it beats Magnolia. Um, whether or not it beats being John Malkovich, hard to say. I don't know. Um, I know that those are our one and twos, but those get pretty fluid for me. Um, me too. So I don't know. I think that Matrix has a chance to be my end of the year. I have no one. doubt that it does. The Matrix is going to be – I'd be shocked if it's not. It, it will be in my top ten. Of course. Uh, that that There's no way there won't be. Um, same with Toy Story 2. Um you know, I look at this list and I'm like, the only ones that I, those are the only ones I'm rock solid on. I think that there's, you know, I love Ripley and I love bringing out the dead, um, but I could see a world where they don't make it. What's cool about what we're doing for a myriad reasons, but uh, what's cool about what we're doing is there's no bullshit with our lists <laughs> in that, yes, yes, you know, when you're like making a year end list, yeah. as you'll see when you hear my top. 20 of the of, 2010s. The, of the 2010s the teens the teens if you will you, you make a lot of points with that you, you put a lot of things in there to yes. like say like to, to kind of kind of signal boost shit 
You know, Kenny has seen my list. I, I have, have not seen, seen Phil's Kenny's, list. You so put a lot of shit in there to signal boost to say I like this, I stand sure. for this, whatever. Sure. Um, we can't really do that. Like it's all out there. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. You know, like yeah. do I want a fucking signal boost? Drop dead gorgeous. Very sure. much so. Absolutely. Right. Run I long run. Very much so. Totally. But like I can't fucking bullshit you guys. Yeah. You've heard me talk about yeah. or the Jesus Matrix. Me, yeah. Yeah, 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 you've heard yeah, me talk yeah. about, and you too. Yeah. You've heard us talk about these movies, and like, no offense, like. Ripley and Bring That Dead are not the sexiest choices, but it's the truth. You're speaking your truth, yeah. and you can't put like some sexier choice yes. above I agree it with that. just to make a point. Yeah, because of what we're doing. That being said, like I feel like yeah. if if you just went back tonight, now we will we will eventually compare our final lists to our original lists, mm-hmm. and like Cruel Intentions is not going to be in my final list. It's my number ten right now. Yeah. It wasn't on my original list, but either way, it was my. It was mm-hmm. a honorable mention. Yeah, and uh, it's it's going to be fun to go back to that OG list from mm-hmm. before, like literally from our first episode where we said our top ten movies of ninety nine, and to see how many of those are actually on there when it's all said. Do you have yours at the ready? Uh, I can pull it up very. Right, I'll pull up mine sure. so you guys know where we are right now. Yeah. All right. So my top ten original list. Beginning yeah, of this podcast. Bottom or t- how no, no. This? Let's just. I'm just going to read them out. Okay. It was being John Malkovich, Magnolia, Election, Six Sense, Matrix, Office Space, Eyes Wide Shut, Fight Club, South Park, Notting Hill. Not a lot of like making a point movies there. No. I, I mean, I made a point a little bit with South Park. I'd say. Yeah, my South Park wasn't online. Which and, it, it, you know. And Six Sense, we've seen, and it has dropped down to the mid. 30s? I Six Sense was not on mine either. Uh, Being John Malkovich, Magnolia, Eyes Wide Shut, The Matrix, Fight Club, Toy Story 2, Sleepy Hollow, Three Kings, Election, Galaxy Quest, Town to Mr. Ripley, Bring Out the Dead. Sounds like more than 10. Yeah, I think I might have gone over. Um, the only one I think you're making a point with is Sleepy Hollow. I love it. <laughs> I still love it. We'll see. Okay, we haven't we'll, done we'll, it yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. We haven't done it yet, so yeah. we'll see what happens. But, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't making somewhat of a point of it, but... Um, Are there, is there anything else there that feels like you're making a point? Um, I'll be, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I don't know if Fight Club would be on it anymore. Fight Club was eight on mine, so we'll see what happens with that. Because I, I did see it relatively recently in a theater, and it was, uh, it was a bit of an eye-opening experience. Interesting. Not to say that I that I don't love the film, I do, um, but sitting in a in a theater filled with men, uh, sitting next to actually Lyle because we went to see it together. Um, it was an uncomfortable experience. Fuck. Yeah. It was a little bit of like, um, it was just a lot of like, why are you laughing? Why are we laughing at this as a group of men right now? Weird. Yeah. It was a little bit, it was a little bit of an uncomfortable experience. All right. Well, that'll be, that'll be an exciting movie. Yeah. So we'll talk, we, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah, I, that, that's, that's a movie that, that I have a complicated uh, feeling with right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, some that I could see moving up. I could see Sleepy Hollow falling off of it. I could see Election, Three Kings, Galaxy Quest, those movies perhaps moving up, mo- moving up or moving around. It's hard to say. All right. So let's do um, – We're doing our 2010s? Let's do our 2010s. Our teens. 20 teens. You guys ready? You guys excited? Great. Me too. <laughs> um, Ernie's on the on the edge of his seat. All right. Starting so at the bottom. I have seen your list. Yeah, but we should start at the bottom. So we'll start at the bottom. Sure. Okay. What's your 20? Spider-Man Far From Home. It's a good one. It is my only... Comic book movie? It's my only comic book movie. It's my only, as far as I can tell, kind of... Yeah, it's my only kind of big um, 
big budget movie. I mean, really? there are other movies that have big budgets, but like, interesting. Like, a, you know, I don't think there's anything here that was made for over a hundred million dollars outside of Pixar movies. Interesting. So, um, okay. Spider-Man is my big popcorn movie of the teens. I, I think my 20 is also awesome. my only comic book movie. Which I know is what it is. Guardians. Yes, you know what it is. You've seen my list. It was Guardians. <laughs> um, I th- wasn't there one more or, or maybe it wasn't a, oh, there is one more franchise movie on there. Uh, there is one more franchise movie yes. on here. Okay. Um, That's a little tease. I mean, technically, actually, I think there's two more franchise movies on here. Um, Guardians, I think, is... I mean, I love Spider-Man Homecoming, just to be clear. Uh, but Spider-Man was not... Oh, sorry. I said Far From Home. Homecoming is what I meant. Yeah. I, I assumed... Whoa! Whoa! Yeah, the internet was going to just explode all over you. Uh, Homecoming. The thing about it, for me, is... And I love it... Um, I, I know Spider-Man. I didn't know these guys. I didn't know the Guardians of the Galaxy when, when I went to see that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and and now they're my friends. <laughs> Guardian, so. Guardians is a great movie. Yeah. Um, Spider-Verse is a great movie. Spider-Verse is sure. very close to I had me. a lot of comic book movies that I could have put in the slot. It was yeah. just sort of like... Ragnarok is a great Ragnarok's movie. Ragnarok's fucking great. You um, know, there's, there's, there are great, you know, mm-hmm. comic book movies that have been made, uh, Marvel and otherwise... This was just the one that that was just such a breath of fresh air. It still is. Every time I put it on, I'm like, this is the one that really cracked Marvel open for me. Up until that point, I was like, yeah, these movies are fun. I like these movies. They're fine. Mm -hmm. This was a movie where I was like, oh, they're letting some people do some cool stuff with it. Yeah. It was a game changer for them, too. Yeah. They knew that if this worked, for all intents and purposes, the sky was the limit of what they could get away with. Uh, What's your 19? Coco. It's a good one. Love Coco. <laughs> First of three Pixar Three movies. Pixars. I only have one Pixar on here. Um, Coco just kind of feels right to me. If It, it just it, it hits me in the exact right place. Hits you in the right place. Yeah, and I also call my son Coco, as you know. Yes. All right. Uh, Brooklyn. I love Brooklyn. Uh, it makes me cry like a baby. Uh, we got to move, though. <laughs> so uh, 18. Drive. Great movie. Mm-hmm. Not on my list. The favorite for me. Great movie. Not on my list. Yeah, I mean, Drive is fucking great. I I rewatched Drive recently, too. That movie's just slick as shit. It's just, yeah. and he's so fucking good in it. It's also, I mean, that's one of the bigger overlooks at the Oscars is Albert Brooks. Well, it's just a, just a failure. Yeah, just um, a, a fuck you to a guy who's like such a, you know, Academy, obviously he speaks to the Academy. It, just, it was a crazy thing. I spent at least three or four years trying to make my version of drive after watching drive. I was so obsessed with that movie and it's soundtrack and it's tone. The main, I loved Gosling in it. I really thought he'd be like my favorite guy forever. And then he sang in La La Land. Number 17. You're ridiculous. Uh, Number 17 is interstellar. All right. I'm on a similar tip. Arrival. Arrival. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Arrival's a movie that uh, I don't love as much as everybody else, but I I keep thinking I need to rewatch it, and I'm sure I'll get on board. I loved Arrival. I really liked it. I just, yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah. Also, Interstellar, great movie. Uh, 16, I've got a movie that I imagine is higher on your list, which is Boyhood. It is? Uh, That's not the first movie that's a lot higher on my list that that you put out there. Okay. Uh, Love Boyhood. It's great. I mean, what, robbed. Absolutely robbed by Birdman. Birdman just... Yes. Anyway. As I said to you, Boyhood should either be number one on your list or not on the list at all. But it is not number one on my list. 
I love when Kenny makes rules about what my list should look no, like. No, not your list. Oh, okay. One's oh, yes. list. Yes, sure, sure, sure. One's the list. The internet Excuse said me. a lot of things similar to One's that. list. Yeah. Uh, 16, Whiplash. Interesting. Yes. Your favorite director, La La Land. They're from the yeah, director wh- of La La Land. Which is a nice movie, La La Land. Um, but Whiplash is Layla just, loves it. She. So do I. Layla love, turned you around on La La Land. I, they actually did. Because I, 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 see it's, I see its utility now. Sure. It's a great sure. movie for four to five-year-olds. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> but the most damning praise. Dun, dun, I I really do like La La Land, but uh, Whip, Whiplash is excellent. Whiplash is I don't love Whiplash. Um, fifteen. My only documentary. Oh, Exit Through the Gift Shop. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Great fucking movie. Incredible. Yeah. And I use the term documentary loosely, but it's an incredible yeah. movie. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater, having truly no idea what I was going to see. Absolutely love it. It was one of the few, and you just this just doesn't happen anymore. I guess maybe Parasite fits into this, but not really. Haven't seen it. I'm not going to spoil it or say anything, but a movie that I knew nothing about mm-hmm. that everyone was like, you have to fucking see this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a real, like, everyone in town was like, exit. The, and so I went to see it knowing nothing. I was like, oh, this is a, a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> It's an incredible yeah, it, it's, film. It's not on my list. But, I'm so happy uh, it exists. It's a great movie. Uh, fifteen or yeah, fifteen. Moneyball. Moneyball. Love Moneyball. Yeah, I don't love Moneyball, but I don't hate Moneyball. I just think Moneyball is um, it's a throwback. I don't think it was intended to be a throwback, but to me, it really, it, it really feels like like a '90s, 2000 TNT Saturday afternoon movie. Oh, I didn't know that that was the throwback you were referring to, but okay. Yeah. I was I I it, I thought you meant it feels like a seventies movie to me in a lot of ways. Like Brad Pitt's performance in that movie is very classic matinee idol kind of. It feels very costume to me, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I no, love I those movies. No, I get that. I, I yeah, I really love Moneyball. Fourteen. Yeah, Tree of Life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's not one that I thought was going to be on your list. Well, you know, I'm pretty smart. I didn't say you were stupid. <laughs> I d- wasn't suggesting that. I just didn't seem like a. I don't know. It didn't seem a movie that I thought you'd like. I uh, love Tree of Life. Okay. I mean, it's going to pull the dad card. Uh, it's the... <laughs> it it's, is the dad movie. It's the daddiest movie I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. a real daddy movie. Um, it's the movie that, you know, it's the movie that kind of gets to the feeling of having children. And it also made Father. me... Father. Well, it also made me feel better about living on Earth. Um, <laughs> okay, well, that's that's, a, that's a big fucking deal. I brought deal. this up in one podcast, but Tree of Life is basically the movie that made me feel like um, there's plenty on Earth that you don't have to think about the next life. There's we're already here. We're already in the pl- we're already in the the most exciting sure. place, or or a place that could be the most exciting if we want mm-hmm. it to be the most exciting, or the most beautiful, or the most amazing, or the worst, or the biggest disaster. Um, and the you know the 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 scope of human emotions and the scope of possibility is endless, and I can't believe that there was actually a movie that that expressed that. So I love Tree of Life. In fact, maybe it's too low. Uh, it's not on my list, but it's a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was also a movie that I truly had no idea what I was about to sit in. Sit. It, that is a movie that that's an experience. Mm-hmm. It's you need to live inside that movie. Young Adult was my fourteen. I love that movie. Uh, I it's I, I think it's just I, I think it's fantastic. Um, another movie that that. Um, was grossly overlooked by the I think Academy I might like Telly more but I, I, I love both yeah. those movies uh, 13 I had Wolf of Wall Street Moonlight uh, I, well, I don't have Moonlight on my list Wolf of Wall Street is the first movie you've said that I feel like if that that easily could have been in my top 20 easily not that like not yeah. the ones that are already yeah. were but like I fucking loved that experience 
Like that's like it's not on the it's top twenty, but it's, it's a total A for me. Well, this is one of those things, and I mentioned this to Kenny when I texted him my my twenty. Um, I, I'm one of those people that believes that that rewatchability is the key to a great film or a film that I truly love mm-hmm. is a movie that I can go back to a bunch and keep watching over and over and over again. Um, and Wolf of Wall Street is just the rewatchability on it is is incredibly high. It's that's not. I know it's not it's not a metric that you use, but it's a metric. It that can't I use. be a metric I use because I just can't really rewatch it. But yeah, I get it. Um, got a family, humble brag, whatever. Yeah, I got cool. a family, humble brag. Uh, what's your thirteen? Thirteen. I told you, Moonlight. Moonlight. What's your twelve? Um, only movie from two thousand and nineteen. Okay. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's high. I don't have any films from from twenty nineteen on here, uh, which. Looking at a lot of lists that have been circulating, it's just I'm too close to them. Like I think I could see Parasite being on it. I could see Marriage Story being on it. Um, five years from now, when I have a little bit of distance from it, yeah. Um, so. I it, the one thing I hate about end of decade lists hmm. is the way recent movies get short robbed. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I'm you'll see on my list, like I get that. It's like I remember best song of the 2000s. Uh, AV Club did it. Yep. And their number one movie was bomb. Their number one song was "Bombs Over Baghdad," which came out like the first month of two thousand. Yeah, you know it was on a ninety nine album. The single came out too. And like, yes, it's an incredible song. <laughs> I, know, I know. Like, but like the best fucking song of the decade came out in January, January. two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Like, guys, yeah. Yeah, I know. like, I agree. and it was always the truth to the with the best movie of the eighties. It was always Raging Bull, which came out in nineteen eighty. You know, it's just it just felt like. It's yeah. there's gotta be, but yeah. we're but we're proving, and and I'll tell you what, the best movies of the '90s probably had none of these movies. Yep, and they actually should all be on those lists. So yeah, so it's but uh, is it's, there a '90s yeah. movie that's better than, than how many '99 movies do you think would be in the best '90s? I bet a lot now, at least four or five, at least now, yeah. But then I'm sure a fair list, yeah. at least four or five. Uh, Twelve. I have Inside Out. All right, so that was my once in time, once upon a time in the Hollywood. Yeah. I've inside at higher. Eleven, um, I love it. Eleven, I got her. I adore her. Her almost made my list. Um, did not, but you know, another A for me. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a real great one. Um, what's your eleven? Get out. Great movie. Get out. All right. <laughs> Number ten. Uh, Last Jedi. Yeah, more you than me. I fucking love it. Nothing I, against. Speaking it. of rewatchability, I just that movie. I could watch it every day. I adore it. It's great. Number nine. I want to do a, a, yeah. a Force Awakens, Last Jedi rewatch before I do Last Sky, uh, Rise, or Rise, Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker. Um, because I'm I really have a hard time kind of grasping the narrative of those two movies. Like That's I'm not completely sure outside of the Ray Kylo stuff, which I get. I'm Rilo. not compl- Rilo. There you go. <laughs> the Ray Rilo stuff, which I get. No, it's Kylo. It's Kylo. I was comp- the, the the ship oh, is called so, Rilo. Okay. Aside from the Rilo stuff, which I get, um, I don't know what the fuck else is happening in that movie. Those movies. I know that – I know some people died. Um, I mean – I I know some people I care about died. But aside from that, like I don't really know what's up. So I'm going to try try again. Okay. That's fair. I mean, I I don't agree, but I hear you. There well, there is something there is something very kind of uh, certainly with Force Awakens. I'd say less with Last Jedi, but Force Awakens is very much a here's a bunch of stuff we're teeing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it doesn't it doesn't really um, it doesn't feel very conclusive. It doesn't feel like a movie that stands on its own. Uh, Last Jedi, I would argue, is is 
a lot cleaner uh, with missions, a lot cleaner with sort of what what's transpiring. But I mean, listen, I'm curious to hear what you think when you watch it again. I definitely liked Last Jedi more than Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. That being said, and I like them both a yeah. lot in the theater, but like, yeah, very opaque. What's your 10? Bridesmaids. Did it Great make your list? It didn't make my list. Great movie. It was, I, I honestly, it was Bridesmaids or Guardians. I fucking love Bridesmaids. Incredible theatrical experience. Oh One my of God. my favorites. Just amazing. Everything above, everything, I mean, everything on the list was a great yeah. theatrical experience. Like, great theatrical experience. But Bridesmaids. It's phenomenal. Funniest movie of the last. I uh, got Lewin Davis at nine. I don't have that. Um, nor do I have any Cohen. Interesting. Zero Dark Thirty. Great movie. Um, that's a heavy, that's a hard rewatch. That's why that's yeah. probably not on my list. Yeah. It's a movie that I don't watch a lot. Uh, eight, I have Grand Budapest Hotel. That and Moonlight were circling Nine. my list. Sure. Uh, love them both. Yep. Um, What's your eight? Moonlight Kingdom, of course. Um, Inside Out. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. That makes me fucking cry like a baby. It's the best. Uh, at number seven, I have The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, so which n- I love. N- number seven, we have movies <laughs> that definitely didn't make the other guy's list. <laughs> Because I have Stars Born. <laughs> <laughs> sure, uh, sure. I, I love Girls with a Dragon Tattoo. Also, not as much as you, but I think it's a great movie. I rewatched Stars Born. It was on HBO mm-hmm. or is on HBO. I uh, liked it a lot more a second time. Does, yeah. it, I, I think the thing I was most impressed with in that rewatch of that was um, really felt the passage of time this time. Yeah. I uh, didn't feel it the first time I watched it. Um, Really felt it the second time. I love that about that movie, yeah. and it's so hard to do. And old really movies to used do. to do it, yeah. and new movies don't really do it. Yeah. I, it's a throwback to exactly what I want movies to be. Totally agree. Uh, number six, six. A movie that didn't make your list because you're a jerk. Toy Story three. I'm not jerk. <laughs> it's just Toy Story two is a better <laughs> movie. Well, but it was made in the '90s no, versus 2010s. Uh, yeah, Toy Story three is great. Uh, I. Love it. Yep. I, you know, I, I'm I'm curious about um, four, uh, which I which I need to rewatch. Uh, I have rewatched. It. it feels like an epilogue now to me. I it's, have rewatched it, and it, it to me, hmm. it's not on the same level. I mean, Forky is Forky. We're all Forky, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, certainly at this table. Um, but uh, yeah, I need to rewatch. Six. I got Inception, um, which I love. Didn't make my list. Uh, I mean, clearly, no Nolan made my list. Um, I have nothing bad to say about Inception. It's, great it's an amazing movie. Talk about rewatchability. If rewatchability was my key factor, yeah. it would maybe be number one. I've, I've watched it so good, so many times. It's so good. And it, I love it, it. It's it's also just I don't know if he'll ever beat it because it does feel like him. It's just the Wachowskis the most are never going to beat the Matrix, yeah. and that's not a big yeah. deal either. Yeah, you know. So five, I got uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, we could do it at five again too. Movies that will not be making the other person's list. Okay. Um, nothing gets Mad Max Fury Road. Um, Spring Breakers. <laughs> yeah, no, not on my list. Yeah. Um, yeah, fucking Fury Road, man. Like, I just, I don't, know. I love it. It, it was, it, it's just deeply rewatchable. Like, I literally could watch it every day and be, and just be totally. Everybody who loves film loves that movie more than I do. I. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that says about you. I'm kidding. It doesn't say anything about it. I know. Me. I'm not taking a person. Yeah. Who do you think about Spring Breakers? What do I think about Spring Breakers? Uh, you know, when we had the pleasure of being in Ben Hosley's company to talk about Spring Breakers and Harmony Korine, uh, I, you guys turned me around on on him in a lot of ways, On certainly on Julian Donkey Boy. Um, 
I think Spring Breakers is a good movie. Um, it's certainly his most accessible. It's certainly his most like, I get why this one hit, if that makes any sense. Um, but I, I can't say that it's a movie that I'll probably ever watch again. Fucking greatest. <laughs> and the thing I love about Spring Breakers, sure, among yeah. so many things, yeah. it, I think it's the most important movie of the last of the decade. Oh my god! Okay. Um, truly, I think it's the most important movie. I think it's like po- right. I think I think it understands or, or it presages and understands culture. The what's actually happening in culture in a way no other movie does, with the exception of one movie. Your number one, I assume. Of course. Okay. Um, Which I think we both have the same one. But that movie is the penthouse view. This movie, which is fine and super important. This movie is the fucking basement view. Yes. And that's super important I too. Agree. Totally. And they, one hand washes the other. And we can talk about when we get to our ones. Mm-hmm. Our ones. Because I actually do think they're weird like kind of companion pieces. But Spring Breakers is everything the 2000s and 10s are and were for better and worse so much worse than better you um, know it's I, I fucking am crazy about that movie i can't believe it exists i i don't disagree just to be I know, clear I um i'm surprised it's not on more lists of the decade i, 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 think do, I don't forget it I, I think people i i think people perhaps do forget it um it's yeah, I mean, it's a moment movie. It's a movie where you're like, this captures a moment in a way that is kind of unlike anything I've ever seen. I mean, this is the this is the Harmony Korine thing, right? This is the thing where where he's making movies that no one else is making. He's seeing the world in a completely different way. Yeah, um, he's a gift, you know. I, I which is it's shocking for me to not shocking, but surprising for me to say that to myself anyway, because I really, really, really hated him for a very long time. There's a lot of his movies that I really don't like, but I do not think that I respected the artistic intent, the artistic merit of what he does. Um, it's easy to be dismissive of Harmony Korine. And I think people think I'm guilty of it. I think people think that he is a misanthrope, yeah, but he's actually a humanist. And um, I agree. And I think that that's like the big, I think he thinks, I think people think he's like a shock director. who's a, yeah. a misanthropic guy yeah. who looks around the world and hates what he sees. And that's not untrue, but he doesn't hate the people living these lives. So yeah. He I has think- a lot of love for individual humans and a lot, and, and a lot of hate for these systems that have put them in these horrible situations. Mm-hmm. And unlike a Sorkin, who I think feels the same way to some extent, hmm. Sorkin likes to show it from the point of view of, of the system. Yeah. You know, or David Simon um, tries to do both to some extent. Like, let's also show you how the system came well, to be. I think that two things come to mind based on what you're saying. The first is um, – and they kind of speak to each other. The, the first is that I think that he shines a light on a uh, – a, a part of our world that we don't want to look at to a yes, certain degree. All of his movies. And I the think exception that that's of the beach bum, which is why it's my least favorite of his movies. And I don't really understand. But it. do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think he's, he's shining a light and making you look at something you don't want to look at. And that is inherently, um, that's, that is a tough experience for a viewer, right? Mm-hmm. So 
that's why and and for critics with the exception you know, of the beach bum which, which is why i don't really understand the movie no i know but i'm i'm, I'm speaking more to sort of harmony korean as an artist and why i think there are so many detractors myself included for a very long time and and like i've said i still don't really love a lot of his movies but i respect them um and 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 i think that that's sort of a very kind of uh it's a very important hallmark of his movies and i think it's part of why he pushes a lot of people away which comes back to the second thing that I want to bring up, which is, and it taps into what you're talking about, the humanity of it. There is something incredibly visceral. There is something uh, anti-narrative. Mm-hmm. And there is something very um, uh, visceral and human about his movies. Uh, there's a lack of intellectualism to them. It seems like he's not going into it with any ideas. But if anything, I think he's going in with maybe too many ideas. Like they're brimming with things. Yes. So it's he makes messy, dirty, angry, kind of gross movies. And those are all things that for a lot of people are too much. So that's yeah. why I think he's brilliant. You just hit hit it on the head. I, the, the anti-narrative, the seeming lack of pretense, the seeming lack of ambition. These are some of the most ambitious movies I've ever seen. Yeah. To put this shit on screen. I agree. And force audiences to watch it. And knowing that so many people, including myself, mm-hmm. I would, I mean, with the, it took me, I mean, I, 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 it, it took spring breakers for me to even consider this guy in any other light. And I think then, for a lot of people. And then I didn't go back and watch anything and i'm gonna watch them all now i think but julian donkey boy like was another one where i i remember i was so scared to watch it and i think they're basically the same movie you mm. know in a lot of ways it's bait damn it and and, and gummo and kids and i've never seen trash humpers but i should get over myself and watch it because i'm scared of it it's i bet a movie called trash humpers terrified shot on vhs what an asshole <laughs> A.K.A. your favorite filmmaker. <laughs> I know. He's the best. All right. What's your number four? These aren't so exciting anymore. Gone Girl. Best romantic comedy of the decade. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what uh, Anne Hathaway said. I know. Said. I mean, it's, it's – see, that's where the protagonists end up together. Uh, they do. Um, yeah. Uh, I love Gone Girl. Uh, I, I thought about putting it on my list. Um, deeply rewatchable, mm-hmm. as are basically all of Fincher's films for me. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about Gone Girl. It's a fucking great movie. I, I, I'll say this. Um, it grows. My esteem for it grows. I don't. Um, when I saw it in the theater, I was disappointed. Uh, I love the book. And the book does something that the movie can't do, which is live inside your head, um, which is the case with books in general. Mm-hmm. It's an unfair thing for us to do as as – Critics, viewers, whatever, which is to compare mediums, but um, I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, what are you doing over there? Oh, sorry, I get, I get. <laughs> sorry, uh, I was like, what's happening? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I love Gone Girl. My number four is Twentieth Century Women, which yeah, I know you love that movie. I fucking adore that movie. I, I know was you re- love that. Rewatching movie. it yesterday, um, I. I Kind of don't have the words for how much of a, I love that movie sometimes. Try to find them. I'm interested. Um, well, I think it's a couple things. Um, it's been very inspirational to me. The last two pitches that I've gone out with have, have in a lot of ways been inspired by it. But I think it really comes down to um, 
I was, so my parents got divorced when I was quite young. Um, and my mother and, uh, my, I guess you would call her my babysitter, but, um, she was, her name's Shona. Um, and she was from Manchester, England. She was 24, 25 when she, uh, came into our house. And for all intents and purposes, I was raised by the two of them until my stepfather came to the pitch when I was about 10 years old. So, uh, the film really kind of tapped into, um, that central conceit of the film being, um, uh, uh, Annette Benning's son not having a father. I was my dad was in the picture. It wasn't as though I didn't have a father, um, but you know I saw him every other weekend. So most of the time I was being raised by these two women, two very different women, uh, both in their twenties, from two very different worlds. And and this movie really tapped into that for me. This idea of when Annette Benning, I don't know about a half hour into the film, sits down with Al Fanning and and Greta Gerwig and says. I need you to help me raise my son. Mm-hmm. And then being like, I mean, literally Al Fanning's like, I'm his friend. I don't want to be his fucking mom. Like, and these three very different women raising this boy. Um, I also just adore the look of the movie. I just, I love Mike Mills as a filmmaker, but this to me felt like, I love beginners as well, but this is the movie that put him in sort of a totally new stratosphere for me. And a movie that is, was completely ignored in its year. Annette Benning didn't even get an Academy Award nomination, which I think is a travesty. Um, I never knew how personal this was to you. Yeah, so that's... I wow. Love, there you go. 20th Century Woman. Love it. Wow. <laughs> so there you go. God, I hope people listen this far to the podcast. <laughs> um, What's your number four? Number four you were gone was Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Yeah. yeah, also very personal to me. Moving on. <laughs> What's your number three? Number three is Brooklyn. Oh, wow. Brooklyn's fucking great. That's high. It's great. Yeah. I, I don't have any – I mean – Brooklyn's everything I want the world to be. Brooklyn is um, – we didn't really talk about it when I when at 19 because for me. I didn't talk about it because I knew it was coming up yeah. obviously, but – It's um, – it is and, – and, and this is going to sound I, – I, you, you guys yelled at me about this on our Peanuts, which is coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I love the simplicity of Brooklyn. I love how simple well, it is. It, I, I mean – Brooklyn actually is simple. But do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, and, and, and I know that, that that can sometimes have a negative connotation. I don't mean it that way. I love how clean it is. I love how beautifully just real and simple it is. It's just – it's hard. Brooklyn is not – I mean I'm never going to touch what you just did with 20th Century Woman. <laughs> that was really good. Sorry. No, that was great. And it's Brooklyn's not a personal movie to me. But I thought Brooklyn – was a movie about the immigrant experience, which it is. Mm. You know, I yeah. thought it was a movie about the immigrant experience yeah. and, and an experience that my forebears went through. The and founding fathers, my founding fathers, were my <laughs> old, the, the old, the old Jews that came before me. Um, and I, I, I thought that was really kind of lovely in its own way, and I thought that was really nice, and and and, and I loved it, and that that in and of itself like inspired me. True. To learn more about this period and seek out more stories like this. But the emotional wallop of the two relationships that she had, like to put, yeah. to, to also be like this. Well, more than two, if you count her sister and her mother. But the and two, they- it was really, to me, it's the romantic relationships. Right. To have these two incredible romantic relationships that you're rooting for both of them. Yep. I, it, it's just the sincerity of that movie to like, put it all on the line like that and have it hit. 
I couldn't believe the end of it. I get, I, I do. I get choked up thinking about yeah, it. And that too. guy who played, uh, who played the Italian Emery Cohen should be the biggest star in the world. <laughs> What's wrong with everybody? I, I, every time I watch it, I think, how is that guy not huge? What are you doing, America? I will say this too, though. The, the, the sort of, um, silent MVP of that movie is Donald Gleason. He's amazing too. Because if that role doesn't work, the whole thing kind of doesn't work. Or at least the ending doesn't work. It had to be Because perfect. you have to love that guy too. You got to be rooting for that guy too. Mm-hmm. And and not in some like shitty like he loved but she died or something. Like, which – that he's just a guy who fell for, for – you know, fell for her and – you just kind of want good things from him. He's a good guy. He's just a good guy. Everyone in this movie is good. Like which, it's just brimming love, with goodness. Which I love. Yes. Well, not everybody, not her mom, but like, well, oh, I don't know that her mom is. I don't think her mom's a mean person. I think her mom's but, just a a sad person. That's that's the magic of the magic trick of this movie was you lose Emery Cohen for like, you know, a lot of this movie, a good portion of like the second and third acts. And the fact that their reunion hits as oh hard God. as it hits it's after just... you've like talked yourself into like, this is a good relationship too. Yeah. Donald Gleason's a good relationship too. You're going to be okay with yeah. him. They plant the flag so deep oh. with him. I mean, you know, it's called Brooklyn. You know, she's going back. But you just – it's it's really – so I, I hate to talk about a movie that, that, that you haven't seen or that maybe a lot of people haven't seen because it hasn't come out yet. But I went to see A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a tremendous movie, lovely oh, movie. That's nice to hear. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, and I don't think that the trailers do it justice because they don't really explain – the movie literally takes place inside an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's really interesting. Wow. It's a much more like metatextual, interesting movie. But the reason I bring it up is uh, – Mitchell Rogers is the best, was the best of us. Um, a, a, just a, a truly lovely human. And when you see movies about kindness in the housecape that we live in on a daily <laughs> basis, you're just, I, I mean, I was crying through most of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. You're just like, there's good in this world. You're just so floored to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brooklyn is that. Like yeah. and 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 it, it it weaponizes that in the best possible way, um, and I love it. I love it. I I you know I I I look at this list now and I'm like it should be higher. I wish that there was you know what I mean. But anyway. yeah, it's it's yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, what's One, your three? Number three. That was number three. Number two. Have you done your number three? No, that was your number three. Yeah. Uh, my number three is Phantom Thread. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. Uh, it I, is a great movie. It's it is a movie. fucking masterpiece. It is. That it's was that was movie. slept on when it came out a couple kind years of, ago. Kind of. It was. I, I think it was slept on a little bit because of its release. I think Focus Features didn't maybe give it the the, the best possible shot mm-hmm. at getting its hooks in people. I think they wanted Oscar nominations. It was that, two years ago. It was two years ago. Yeah. They released it basically right at the edge of the yeah, consideration yeah, yeah. category uh, window. Now, I don't know if it was, if that was an editing thing. I don't know if Paul Thomas Anderson was, you know, tinkering with it for a long time. I don't know. But had that film come out three, four, five weeks earlier, I think that people would have had the time to ruminate on it a little bit more. And I think it would have, it, I, I think it is now a movie that people look at and go like, Oh, this is one of the, one of the best, one of the greatest. Yeah. I, I just it's it is a fucking 
it is when when that reveal happens at the end of the film, mm-hmm. I went to see a, a screening of it, one of the you know Academy screenings or whatever. Um, and I was actually sitting next to Ryan Johnson, just wow. a humble brag. Um, and I remember him turning to his wife, Karina Longworth, and just both of them just looking like they'd just been at, like had their mo- their minds blown wow. at the end of that. Because it's just like you just don't see it coming you're like oh wait this has been a comedy the whole time yeah this whole movie has been just like a low-key comedy and he wants to be poisoned like it's just it's fu- it's uh, it's i fucking adore it i adore it it's also beautiful to look at mm-hmm. paul Thomas, paul thomas anderson's first shot film by himself oh okay uh it is just it, it's i don't know I, I i could i could talk all day about how fucking brilliant i think it is but it, it's adore it adore it great movie great movie um. Anyway, all right, love it. Great Moving score. On. I mean, yeah, a score I listen yeah. to all the time when I'm writing. But anyway, uh, what's your two? Boyhood. <laughs> right. Towering achievement. Greatest thing that's ever been filmed. Yeah, I have um, a very different number two. Spectacular. I know what yours is. Yeah. Spectacular movie. You saw the list. No, I just guessed. It's a good guess. Um, <laughs> Boyhood. I can't say enough of. I can't. Yeah, believe I love it. it happened i can't <laughs> believe it was as good and yeah. powerful and poignant and amazing as it was mm-hmm. i don't even like richard linklater that much i think like he makes so many bad movies like so many i hope we get him on this podcast okay do we have a shot we do oh <laughs> okay well i mean i'll say the other part which is like he also makes so many brilliant movies mm-hmm. like i, I think like boyhood ha- boyhood the sun, the before series. The before series. Um, I, I adore Richard Linklater. I will say that I'm the- confused. School of Rock. He's made some movies that are incredibly important to me, and he's also made some movies that I'm just like, "Are you kidding? You spent your time on this, like the Bad News Bears remake?" Yeah, he's. Here's what I'll say about Richard Linklater, because um, I have thoughts. I adore him. He is one of my favorite filmmakers because he has made some of my favorite films. He has also made a bunch of unfortunately misguided movies. Uh, where'd you go? Bernadette being a very good example of that. Um, here's the answer to why Richard Linklater, uh, he just shouldn't make studio movies. Um, but he made like the best, like school of Rock is like the best school studio yes, movie. Sure. But that feels kind of like a weird planets aligning moment, um, for him. You know, you got a Mike white script, you got Jack black sort of finally kind of, uh, figuring out what he was doing. It was a real weaponizing of a star at a moment. His, his studio movies, be it the Newton boys or, uh, where'd you go? Bernadette or everything he's made in the last 10 years. Excited. Aside from boyhood and before midnight. I think that everybody who wants some is, is a good movie. I don't. Um, I think it's a good movie. I I, I think I'm surprised you think that, but okay. I, I think that Richard Linklater is, I understand why people think he's a mixed bag. I get it. I'm not. I'm not sitting you here. You think he's a mixed bag? Well, no. I'm. I, I'm just saying. Like, I'm not going to sit here and ride for some of his his lesser successful films, but the ones that are successful are so toweringly successful for me. It's true that I don't give a fuck about the ones that don't really work. So I get it, but I'm also like, okay, all right. That's a really good point. <laughs> just in general, it's a really good point. When I look at a filmography, I don't generally say like, like. Uh, I wish they were all hundreds, 
But like, I don't, know? yeah, I don't generally say that, you know, that this guy had like five incredible movies and 15 garbage movies. He's a bad uh, director. You see that guy's a great director. Yeah. Rob Reiner. Yeah. For instance. Um, the thing about Linklater yeah. is he got to the point where he became a brand, like a really reputable brand. Interesting. On the like, almost on that Spike Jones level. Almost on that Tarantino level where you're like, there's a new Linklater movie. We got to watch it. And then it's everyone wants some. Or then it's fucking a Scanner Darkly. Or then it's like- Which I think is a, a, a that's kind of a, a low-key great movie. No, it's not. Or it's um, fucking The Bad News Bears. And like The Bad News Bears is not a bad example because he made that at the height of his blank check powers where he's like, this is what I want. I'm a Texas boy who played baseball. This is the most important movie to me growing up. I want to remake it. And it's awful. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. So all I'm saying is he deserves more credit than I'm giving him. <laughs> okay. Thank you. People are allowed to make bad movies. Uh, what? So, so you, oh, Jesus. Uh, so your number two is wait, Boy in the Hood. Boy in the Hood. Right, of course. Um, so Boy is a great movie. Uh, Boyhood's a, a, a fantastic movie. Boyhood shouldn't exist. Where'd you point. have it? 16? 19? 1916? 16. Um, Defend yourself. It was the first myself. thing I said was Boyhood should be higher. And then Phil forwarded me a tweet from like Dave Weigel or something. Somebody. Yeah. Saying the number one complaint of people's list was Boyhood should be lower. <laughs> or and Boyhood, then should, Boyhood should be higher was number two. <laughs> So people have thoughts on Boyhood. Yeah. I, I have thoughts, which is that it's the second best movie of the last 10 years and like maybe the first. It's like – it's like it's a being John Malkovich, Magnolia from, situation right. for me. Uh, you know, I, the only thing that I can say about Boyhood um, that is – as to why it's as low as it is, I think is um, in, inherent to the way that it was made. Uh, so it's as anyone who's seen it knows, this movie was shot over the span of like sixteen, 16 years. years, and in in chunks. So what what you're kind of left with is a is a tremendous feat of watching this person grow up over the course of this film, which is an unbelievable thing, and we should, we're all blessed to see it. But it also creates um, kind of wedges in time as well. So it's not the most fluid experience because of the nature of the way that it is made. Again, I'm nitpicking here. It's on my fucking list. It's 16. I love it. Uh, I own the Criterion. I, I, when I watched the Criterion, I don't know, within the last year or two again, I was like, this movie's a fucking masterpiece. Like, I, I you know, I, I adore it. Um, so, I, you know, and I love Linklater. Uh, I don't know what to tell you other than the fact that um, these other films are films that I watch more frequently uh, and that stay with me a little bit more or just mean more to me personally. Um, okay. You defended yourself. Thanks. My number two is Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, which, which I understand uh, why people either don't love the film or dismiss the film. I, I do. It. I do love the film. Okay. I, I'm not saying you don't go on. Uh, I'm not going to shit on it. Okay. I, I, it is, I mean, listen, I'm from Toronto. It it is it, it's it's a distillation of everything that I would hope to make in a movie someday, and and these are and also would never try to do. I don't. I'm not a huge video game guy. That's the other sort of paradox, I guess, of me loving this film as much as I do. Uh, 
but I just, it is just so funny and clever and, and is doing something that everyone's been ripping off since it came out in 2010 in terms of just its, its visual aesthetic, you know, Edgar Wright, just fucking knocking it out of the park. I, I just, I don't know. I, I respect how you picked films. I respect that you've picked films that are personal to you. Yeah, I try. That's good. <laughs> Thanks. That's a but, good thing. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's also just, and I, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but the rewatchability of the movie for me is just, I saw it four times in the theater. Wow. Um, you know, it, it, it just, I remember I actually, uh, I, you know, I, I won't go on too long about this, but I will say that I got into a screening of Scott Pilgrim. In, it came out in August, and they did a screening of it in February at the Arclight, just weirdly. Um, at, I, I don't even know if it was a test screening. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they had there were still some special effects they were working on, and it had a different ending where he ends up with knives rather than ending up with Ramona. Um, and they ultimately changed it, and they did reshoots. Um, Smart. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. He should have ended up with Ramona mm-hmm. to your – your romantic well, comedy, just, but but it, it it just that's what the movie's barreling towards. It's just like, what are you trying to fucking prove or say yeah. by not giving this guy his hero's ending? Yeah. Like I, you're, you, it just it seems so unnecessarily subversive. I would a hundred percent agree. I would also say I'm incredibly thankful that he didn't end up with a teenager. Um, okay, you know, but you know he kind of felt like a teenager too. Sure, but I'd say the the one that would ickiness that, that I have towards defend. this movie is, and and they do a good job of, like even Scott doesn't feel great about it. <laughs> he's like even he's just like we held hands once. Like I I don't like he doesn't really want to be with a teenager, um, but if nothing else, the reason he needs to be with Ramona is he needs to grow up. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to become a man as opposed to this like frozen child. So anyway, love Scott Pilgrim. Our number ones are the same. I'm assuming of course, which is the social network. Of course it's an undeniable number one. It's the only good movie I've seen in the last. Time. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, listen, it's a fucking perfect movie. Like it's, it's just, it's, it's the one that's going to go down in history. I think for Fincher, you know, when, when is in terms of just, it's, he thinks it'll be Fight Club, but I don't know. he does. Yeah, I mean, in in in, in uh, best movie year ever, when we will cover this book mm-hmm. uh, and we'll have Brian Rafferty on, I had coffee with him, and he said that that Fincher was like, I know that that you know my my oh my God, why can't I think of uh, when you're dead when they write your thing? Your obituary. Obituary. He's like the first line is going to be Fight Club. I don't know what it'll be because I don't know if it'll the, be Fight Club because like you know he's. Who knows what he's capable of? As I've admitted on this podcast, sheepily, I think he's my favorite director. Sheepily? Fucking own it. It's just obvious. It's it's like that every bro's favorite fucking director is Fincher. That is true. And it's so boring, but like it just is kind of the answer. Like when it comes down to like movie by movie by movie, like it it is kind of my answer. And I think like it's my favorite Fincher movie. And I think it's like the fucking greatest American fucking movie. Like it's just. (laughs) It's, it's, it's just like, that's as good. Like I love, so all right. I love Fincher. I love Sorkin. I love their shit. I love, con- sure. I love movies about recent history. I love movies that are basically like 
contemporary, but just recent history. I love movies that acknowledge that things that happen in the recent present can be extremely important to what will happen in the future. The only little nitpick I have for the movie that has no problem, that's not the movie's fault at all, is like, I don't think Facebook is as important as the movie thinks it is. That being said, it's also much more important than the movie thinks it is. Like well, That was going to be my question too, and I don't know the answer to this. I, I'm, I'm literally weighing it in my head. Do you think that the current fiasco uh, with Facebook makes the movie better or worse? And I don't really know the – because like it makes the movie better. Okay. But it's different. Okay. Like, it's changing the movie. It's The, yeah. the movie didn't predict that no. Facebook would become would a Russian be, asset. <laughs> yeah, it would be like – <laughs> Literally the most important yeah. asset in the world. Yeah. Which is what it is. Not just the biggest company, not the most important social network. It is the most important yeah. asset in the world. Right now. Right now. Yeah. You know, it is the most important non-governmental thing in the world. So depressing. And this fucking kid wrote it, came up with it in his fucking Dorm room. I mean, he had no idea this was our. I assume he had no idea that this is where it was headed. No, and but, like, I mean, some people, and the fact that he won't kill it is just. I don't even know what to make of the real Mark Zuckerberg. I don't even know what to make despicable. of the real Mark Zuckerberg, and and like, you know, obviously there are things that have been created. Yeah, like he is not. At, he was not. He did not actually make it to try to get a date. He did not actually make it because he was upset about you know. Rooney Mara dumping him, but like who wouldn't be upset about Rooney Mara dumping them though? No, I, I understand that. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like I might change the world. It's, like she fuck, it's, that same, it's the same Vincent song, which is you know, um, which one? Los Angeles. Yeah. Like, how could anybody have you? How could anybody have you then lose you? How could anybody have you then lose you then not lose their minds too? It's the best yeah. fucking triplet of all time. Okay, it's the best. Um, she's, the best. she's such a brilliant genius. Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about Facebook. It is the it is. It is a movie about the – it is like Chinatown. It is like it – it's like Citizen Kane. Yeah. It is – like really like it's it's the, it's a movie. It's like Lawrence of Arabia. It's a movie about the most important thing that is happening in the world and it gets it 100% right. Like the movie about the crafting of the world. It didn't really set out to be that about the crafting of the world, but it just is. It's also, you know – we're, we're obviously big Fincher fans here. Uh, I love him too. He's probably my second favorite filmmaker right now. Maybe, I don't know, third, I don't know. But uh, who is your one and two? I mean, the Coen brothers mm-hmm. and probably Paul Thomas Anderson, mm-hmm. maybe. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I mean, point is, Fincher makes a movie about programming Facebook and makes it vital and visceral and exciting to watch i mean you know just as well as i do that technology is the death of writing right Mm -hmm. people in front of computers is the most boring fucking thing in the world Mm -hmm. um people in front of their phones is the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. um and he makes it fucking exciting it's true it it doesn't make any sense never been a fucking good movie about fucking computers ever it's 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 but like you know that's not what i mean like there are no movies about like This is about pro. This, this is, is, about this is not a science fiction movie. Yeah, this is. And, and if anything, you know, and I, I'm sure that Sorkin would tell you this too. Sorkin is the least visceral writer. I mean, he's visceral in the sense that people are talking quickly, but they're generally talking about relatively boring things, depending on what, what movie we're talking about or TV show. But this Here's somehow Fincher takes this thing 
and makes it feel crackling with energy. It is such just, yeah. an exciting watch. It and it should not be. Do you like Molly's game? It's fine. I love it. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like it's I mean, like it's it's like, you know, you have it's like you have a band. I don't hate it. <clears throat> it's like a it's like a band's lesser song that I still would fucking rock out to. Sure. It's like if I went to a Pearl Jam concert and they played like once, I'd be like, yes, I fucking love once. <laughs> That's how I feel about Molly's game. I fucking love I fucking love <sighs> what Sorkin does in um in features. I I, I mean Moneyball's on there too. I know, and I love it. I, I you know, the thing is, I would love truthfully to be able to see like and there's some stuff that i can glean and some that i what zalian wrote and what sorkin wrote because those are two titans of industry for all intents and purposes um although i mean i'm a little uh, zalian's got some amazing um, like towering achievements and then like a bunch of stuff that i'm like fine but sorkin and him have very different styles it, it does feel like sorkin has been reined in here a little bit that's yes. but but it's also Fincher understanding what is great about Sorkin. Like I think about so one of the things that I'm sure you've watched the the, the making of documentary on the on the Blu-ray or whatever. Maybe you mm-hmm. haven't, but just talking about just watching him talk about the process of the rehearsal process, understanding how to sort of nail certain words. This is sort of two guys. It's the perfect. I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's a perfect marriage of two people. Yeah, that just are artists in every sense of the word and both of them just firing on all cylinders and bringing out the best in each other mm-hmm. you can't ask for anything and in that. the wrong hands like and with the or with the wrong material like fincher's made one movie that i don't think is good um and it's benjamin buttons i like benjamin Button. i don't think it's good like okay. i think it's fine but like i don't think that that's what he i don't think that's the plane he can land and sorkin's had some of the shit gone terror go terribly the newsroom um, which I think you're fine with, but like it's, so, I mean, I, I, I have serious issues with the newsroom. Some of this shit has gone terribly and they both had kind of moments in the public sphere where people are like, uh, they're not as good as you guys think they are. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like you all think they're like geniuses. They're not that good. Like Sorkin had that full, like, you know, viral video about how he repeats shit. And mm-hmm. I think Fincher, you know, rightfully is, is kind of viewed as a bro director, like a bro genius. Almost like, you know. Even if that's not even remotely what he's intending to do. No, no, yeah. he's not. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's you know, he is who I was hoping Todd Phillips was. But, like, the bro genius. Which is what he is. Like, like yes. deep down, like, he is Todd a. Todd Phillips, not a bro genius. No, but he's a very masculine, muscular filmmaker. Yes, I agree. Who that. is also very sensitive and very and right, intelligent. And can also direct the hell out of tremendous female characters. Yeah, he's a brilliant director. Yeah. Um, but, like, they're both just so to me, the most talented humans. And they found each other and they worked with each other instead of against each other. Like this happens the in, ultimate romantic comedy. They finally this happens found each in other. football. Like not to take it off, but Bill Belichick like always gets guys like a Randy Moss or a Corey Dillon who have other coaches can't handle, mm-hmm. but they have so much fucking talent. He does it over and over and over again. They have so much talent and they respect each other. And it works. It happens in it happens in sports with Kobe and Phil Jackson. Kobe played for Rudy Tanjanov. It didn't work. So it, it's this – like I really love when two talented geniuses put their shit aside for a second. Mm-hmm. Kanye and Jay-Z did it. You know, like – and I don't know if they're like talented geniuses, but like they did it. They like stood next to each other and made Watch the Thrones. So sure. like it – that stuff is really kind of – 
exciting to me. And that's what this movie is. It is like two titans yeah. who are actually bigger together than they are apart, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think it's – yeah. I mean, I, I remember seeing it when it came out. Uh, again, I saw a, a relatively early screening of it. And I remember just the movie – just declares itself in that first scene where you're just like, Oh fuck. I got to like, go watch it again. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so th- that was our, our 52 in review, 52 in review, um, part two, the second one, the second annual 52 in review, second annual. Um, we look forward to doing it again a year from now. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll God willing, we will have a new president. Oh my um, God. <laughs> well, we, we won't. Kenny. No, 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 I'm not a pessimist, but you know, January January 20th. But hopefully someone else will be happy. You know, okay, have voted. been voted in. I Can understand. you believe that? When we're sitting here across from each other, we're either going to have a new president or no country. <laughs> um, uh, hopefully we'll see you a year from now. Hopefully there'll still be technology. Yeah. And, and you know, Next. we might be doing it from Canada. Kenny will have moved to Canada. Oh, in and, two seconds. And, I can't <laughs> wait. I will marry you and move to Canada. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, all the sla- all the yeah. slash fiction about our pod is going to come true. <laughs> uh, next week, we are uh, very excited. We have Brian Cogman coming on to talk about ER. And Ever hear I mean, of him? <laughs> little guy did uh, did a little movie called a little movie, a little TV show called Game of Thrones. Uh, we talk a little bit about Game of Thrones. Just yeah, we talk enough. Touch. Yeah, I was I was actually a pinch a little bit. I was uh, I was excited and happy that he wanted to talk about it a little bit. I wasn't sure that we were going to be able to talk about it but it was it was exciting to yeah. talk about that a little bit um but more than anything it's really just brian and i talking about er for two hours yeah and i just looking at that <laughs> but um it, it really is a great episode i, I hope so it's, i it's a great episode i kind of blacked out it's one of those episodes i mean i'm not even kidding that's amazing that i don't even really know what i said um you were great you I fanboyed out it was yeah it was a lot uh, of love for er as you can tell we're branching out um into other things we yeah. got some really wild, exciting episodes coming up. We're also, you know, got excited things planned for our Friday nights. Yeah, Friday after nights, Freak- which we talked a little bit about. After yeah. Freaky Friday. Yep. We have more movies coming up. Lots of movies As coming we up. said, there are at least yeah. eight movies that... I think uh, we have at least one book that we'll do next year, <laughs> which is best movie year ever. Oh, yeah, we'll do one we'll book. We'll definitely do at least one I, yes, book. Yes, I've read a lot of that. Um and uh yeah i mean i i don't know it's uh we've got a lot coming up but brian was tremendous um he's gonna you know he's, he's gonna come on again um but yeah i mean i don't know i i without saying too much uh i'm, I'm a pretty big fan of vr <laughs> yes and i also i also believe this is the year i'm gonna make phil watch mm. all five hours of wrestlemania 17 oh, that'll happen, that'll happen. So- <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do some we'll get to some wrestling yeah uh, and we're, I think we're going to, we, Kenny and I have talked a little bit about, uh, there's, uh, an episode of that 70s show with the rock speaking of wrestling, oh, yeah, a yeah, wrestling yeah. Well, episode. that'll be a rock episode. That, uh, yeah. So we'll do a little bit of that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot coming up, but, um, we thank all of you for, for listening to us for two full years. Two years. Pretty good. crazy. Never missed it. Never missed a week. We haven't missed a week. <laughs> I missed one. The podcast it's never true. missed a week. The podcast has never missed a week. Um, but, uh, but thank you for listening. Um, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, thank you to, uh, Emilio for doing our amazing Twitter and social media. Uh, thank you to Yonka Tass for doing our theme song. Thank you to Ernie for producing. And, um, we're at uh, podcast like 1999. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast like it, just podcast like it.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.